My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 199. Yes, we are one episode away from the WNR 200. Today, we're looking at WWE Network Review. Let's start with the alternate intro. Alright, so the alternate intro. You want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night, he goes off crazier than usual. Mummy grabs a kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So me watching, he takes a knife to her, laughing while he does it. He turns to me and says, why so serious? He comes at me with a knife. Why so serious? Sticks a blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And why so serious? And of course, that is from The Dark Knight. And now down the normal intro. Every month, we review the latest content on WWE Network, including collections, new programs, 205 Live, all the latest news, and the crown jewel of the WNR podcast, NXT Update. Plus, on this ep- on this episode, the fallout from NXT UK's takeover. So, Dan, we start off with WWE Network Collections, which is the first one for January. It is the Royal Rumble match, and experience every Royal Rumble in one collection and explore a three-decade legacy of winners, including John Cena, The Rock, Randy Orton, and Triple H. Yes, I mean... <laughs> You think about Royal Rumbles, it's it's 30 years now. And, of course, Pat Patterson came up with the idea of the Royal Rumble event. And I don't think anybody would have thought of the kind of history it's had. And it's kind of, I think, a fan's favourite event. I, I love the Royal Rumble. I love this time of year. You know, it, it's great. Uh, what Rumbles would you pick out, Dan, if you if you could, anyone? Uh, I, well, if, you know, if someone said, give me a Royal Rumble match that you thoroughly enjoyed, I'd have to say 2001. Because it had elements of everything, you know, you had uh, you had yeah, a hardcore brief stint in the middle of it, you know, you had Drew Carey coming down trying to pay Kane off, you know, you had the Hardy Boys kind of eliminating each other accidentally, and then, you know, the cream on top, the Stone Cold coming out to win it. Well, exactly, and a classic thing of Triple H attacking him and, and you know, bloodying him up and thinking maybe Austin wouldn't be involved, Kane getting the elimination, you know, 11 eliminations in that match. It, Royal Rumble 2001 is a great pay-per-view. Because uh, the thing is with Royal Rumbles, you know, you've got to have surprises, haven't you? You've got to have um, 
a lot of things happen. We've seen a lot of stunts recently, you know, either Kofi Kingston saving himself or John Morrison's done that before as well. Well, I was just he? about to say my favourite stunt probably was John Morrison's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was two, I can't remember what year it was, but jumping on the barricade, wasn't it? Like Spider Man. 2007? It was. 2008? Because then Kofi kind of took it over and we've seen it recently as well. With Even Naomi did it last year in the uh, women's Rumble match, which was good to see. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the 2008 Royal Rumble. We've seen a return right at the end. I think it's a great Rumble match. But again, 1992 for me has got a special place with Ric Flair from number three to winning it. When Royal Rumbles kind of weren't that great, that kind of was the, the, probably the best Rumble of the first you know 10 years of the event. And, of course, we've got the Royal Rumble pay-per-view coming up next weekend. And, of course, we are live for the uh, kick-off of it. Our next collection for the month is Rusev. Happy Rusev Day. It's the ultimate Rusev Day celebration here from Rusev himself. And relive the Bulgarian Brutes competition-crushing career highlights. Now, Dan, are you a fan of Rusev? I am quite a fan of Rusev. Yeah, you know, um, I didn't really watch NXT. So, I I think the first kind of taster I got of him was during a Royal Rumble match funnily enough yeah. and he, when, he, yeah. when he was a star he came out and he had quite an impressive Royal Rumble I think well, 2014 it was 2014 you're bang on with that because CM Punk was involved in it and Rusev came out and spent about I think 25 minutes in a Rumble he's kind of gimmick back in NXT he used to come out with this board with like the, the, his opponents named on it uh, and he used to crush the board as symbolising you know and he used to have this weird brown skirt but there's a great match uh, on the collection with him and Dolph Ziggler, which is one of his very first uh, matches, uh, which well, he was known as Alexander Rusev back then, NXT 183. But what we're going to watch is July 17th, 2011. And uh, in this match from Florida's Championship Wrestling, Alexander Rusev looks to prove his dominance by going one-on-one with Mike Dalton. Now, uh, this is interesting because this is FTW, and like NXT, it's the development league, you know, uh, and we're going to see a lot of this stuff. But look at Mike Dalton. You might recognise him as someone else as well as he comes out here. He, hasn't, he isn't carrying a selfie stick. <laughs> no, he's just a normal baby-faced dude at the moment. So, and he was in development for a very long time until he found his kind of character. And how would you explain what Rusev looks like now? Because this is kind of one of his first moments. Uh, well, he looks kind of plain... He's wearing boots. He's got short hair. He looks like he's related to Rick Steiner in a weird way. <laughs> I would got... say, yeah, he's the third of missing Steiner brother. He's got the singlet. He's very short hair. He's got the Bulgarian kind of uh, symbol. He went from Bulgarian to being a Russian synthesizer back to being Bulgarian. But I think the the kind of that Russian synthesizer act lost when, you know, you mentioned it about he was in a feud with uh, Dolph Ziggler. But yeah. like the Lana, Dolph Ziggler, Rusev Angle. Yeah, and that was a lot later on, and uh, yeah, because they kept, they were going to go split up Lana and Rusev, and then they realised they were together in real life. You know, they posted on Instagram, which kind of ruined the plans for Rusev at the time. And I think that's the big thing about Rusev that he met Lana in NXT and kind of you know came together with that gimmick on the main roster. You know, his personal life has obviously gone from strength to strength there with Lana, uh, and he's been around a while now. When you said this is 2011, so he's been around eight years, Rusev. Has he had as much impact as he should have done, do you reckon? I'm, I'm not too sure, you know, because uh, I, I think he's he's done well for the past kind of like, you know, foreign, Russian, like, you know, national strongmen who have come in to try and dominate. And then, you know, he's kind of, he started getting a bit of a flat line and then he revived himself with the Rusev Day gimmick. And that's kind of... Uh, 
giving him a resurgence and that. But, you know, he's he's certainly a fan favourite. And I think he's better than people realise yeah. you kind of get. I think he's proved a lot of people wrong. You know, like we, we were worried about he'd be more like Vladimir Kozlov, but he's shown the personality. And he can go. And, and I feel like even as a kind of heel, because he came out with a tank, didn't he, at WrestleMania 31 against John, John Cena. Cena? Yeah, so, you know... He has had a big moment. I think he could have maybe had a bit of success there. Or as a face, seeing how popular he is. And it's weird to see the FCW things in the background. You see people like Mason Ryan with the headweight title. Alex Riley. <laughs> yeah, who never really made it. Bo Dallas is there as well. But in this match, it's basically been all Rusev just showing his power off. German suplex and then sitting up. Goes to the cover and he kills Mike Dalton. <laughs> With a German suplex. Poor Tyler Breeze. Alexander Rusev. And young Rusev there. Making easy work of Mike Dalton. But, I mean, developmental. Who would have thought that these two men would be on the main roster now? Just shows that, you know, things can happen. Whereas the heavyweight champions behind them obviously got released quite early on. But uh, this is nice. The thing I like about the network is when they can show us stuff, you know, obviously that we haven't seen before if they've got it in video, you know. And to go back... And see one of Rusev's early matches, you know, you, you can realise like how far he has actually developed as well. And coming up in February, we've got King Booker All Hail, which would be good. And now we'll go to new content and we'll start off with Hidden Gems. Now, Hidden Gems get added to the network on, uh, well, I wouldn't say daily occasion, but definitely weekly. And there's been a few since the last time we checked them out in December, so we're just going to go through the list now on the on the watch list that we've got on the WWE Network. Uh, so we had the Christmas specials that they were giving us, the 12 days of Christmas leading up to it, and December 23, it's Mid-South Christmas Night, and it's Butch Reed and Jimmy Anvil Nineheart put the Mid-South tag titles on the line against Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2, two. in a steel cage match. Uh, AWA Christmas night, 1983. The AWA heavyweight title is up for grabs when WWE Hall of Famers Nick Bockwinkle and Mad Dog Vashawn go to war on Christmas night. AWA Christmas night, 90 Hall of Famers join forces when Hulk Hogan teams with Tito Santana to face Ken Patera and Bobby Duncan on Christmas night in 82. Yes, well, again on December 25th in 81, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel Battle the rough and rugged team of Jerry Blackwell and Sheik Adnan al Kasi. Yeah, and the thing is, AWA and wrestling kind of in general always put on a Christmas show night. And again, AWA Christmas night 1987, it's tag team mayhem as Paul Heyman leads his Midnight Express into action against Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And you people say, oh, the AWA. Look at that. Paul Heyman stood around. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty obviously part of the Rockers as well. So it is worthwhile going back and kind of catching these hidden gems. And they're only 10 or 15 minutes long. Yes, and on December the 29th, 1985, the AWA joined forces for a supercard of epic proportions when Ric Flair battles Dusty Rhodes at Night of Champions 2. 2! And then December 30th, 1985, it's Mid-South's New Year Eve show. Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and Butchery go to war in Dog Collar Match in this New Year's Eve extravaganza. We move on, and then that's kind of New Year and Christmas that way. Then starting in, in January, we had... We had September the 1st, 1989, the rivalry between WWE Hall of Famer Sting and Japanese legend The Great Muta reaches... A fever pitch in the summer of 89. Yeah, and that's not a bad match with Jim Ross on commentary as well. And what we're going to watch right now, the road to NXT 
gold. Witness the OVW debut of Tommaso Ciampa as he takes on Jamie Olivance in a rarely seen bout from 2007. So we've already seen Rusev on this and we're going to go now. And Tyler Breeze. And to see yeah, Rusev, Rusev and Tyler Breeze. And now we're going to see a young Tommaso Ciampa. Let's see if he looks the same. If he hasn't got bald head in the bed, I'm going to flip the fuck out. <laughs> oh my God, is that going to be Ciampa? No. No, it can't be. Well, he's licking his water bottle. A very uh, skinny gentleman. He's got head of hair as well. I mean, you wouldn't think it was the same person, really, as a no. collar and elbow tie-up to start on Jay. Of course, Chumper. Was this from 2007? 2007. Ohio Obviously, Valley Wrestling. Chumper went away, did a bit of independent scene, and then came back to NXT. So he has been around for a while, Tommaso Ciampa, just, you know, kind of learning and evolving. I think it proves anything. The younger you are, you know, the more time you have to kind of change it around and maybe come up with a different character. I mean, who would you say is more successful at the moment, Tommaso Ciampa or Rusev? Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, I I think I would say that as well. Even though it's on NXT, he's the man down there, whereas Rusev's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. Even though he is the United States champion, weirdly enough. Is this before he had... He had a bit of a battle with his personal demons. This is before he had to, like yeah. say, he had to take some time away to kind of really deal with what happened. And this is him just trying to make his kind of breakthrough. And I think that's kind of what stopped him. He was on Velocity a couple of times, you know, as a jobber. But they never really saw potential in him. It's when away, he had to kind of deal with the problems that he had. He came back a kind of more complete performance. We've seen that before. I'm not going to compare him to Eddie Guerrero. But someone like Eddie, who maybe had to go away for a little bit to sort himself out and then come back kind of better performer. And we've seen it with others recently, you know, Drew McIntyre and people had to go away and kind of sort themselves out. And I think with what's proven with WWE now, you don't have to stay there to kind of evolve as a performer. You can go elsewhere and then maybe even come back at some point. Indeed, yes. Unless, you know, you're just naturally great like Randy Orton. Chumpy, mm. huge whip in the corner. Goes for the cover. Oh, no. Imagine to kick out. Ah. Well, Chumper, I think it was featured. He got destroyed by The Undertaker in one segment on SmackDown when he, he was playing a role for someone. And, and like I said, but he just kind of got lost uh, and not really used. I mean, the Chumper now is kind of night and day to this guy. This kind of generic wrestler. Both of these guys are at the moment. You wouldn't be able to pick out a star between the two. You wouldn't think, oh, yeah, one of these guys is going to have in NXT as part of DIY. You know, you just wouldn't. And that's why sometimes... It does take a while for a wrestler to kind of branch out. You know, people like Randy Orton, he still took him time to kind of evolve into who he is, you know, and what he did well. But Chumper's in a little bit of trouble now. No, he managed to move out the way of the elbow. Lucky escape from Mr. Chumper. No, he's got reverse DDT. Inverted DDT there from Tommaso Chumper. Well, hits it and we move on to the next programme before... <laughs> Before he gets the free count. Before we can do anything, Chumper wins there. Uh, and, you know, as I say, it's a bit weird that we see these type of things. And uh, another one just added before the raid, May 2nd, 2005, before becoming one of the most imposing figures in the NXT Tag Team Division, Hanson took on Brian Black in this rarely seen match from Raw. It's basically a squash match. And a lot of these matches happened just before Raw, you know, uh, give the guy experience in front of a kind of crowd before it got televised. We're going to watch the new content. Uh, obviously, network shows in date order. So it's the 15th of December to the 17th of January. So we start off 15th of December. It's the WWE Chronicle Becky Lynch. Unfortunately, only 24 minutes long. A bit disappointing by that. 
Well, it starts with her talking about the man and how she told Foley in October and didn't realise how big it would actually become. Oh, no. I mean, it's such a huge gimmick, is the man. Uh, the following place between November 27th to December the 11th. And you get an on-screen graphic detailing Lynch's injury and return at TLC. She puts over the TLC match and says how dangerous it is. And on November 27th on SmackDown, and she's in full character. Yeah, backstage and still in character. Successful ones are your personality with a volume turned up. I mean, just look at people like Stone Cold Steve Austin to, to see that working. And then we get a clip of Oscar getting her chance at the title. Yeah, and then December 10th, she talks about her past. Wanted to get fit and was going to try kickboxing, but her brother was going to Finn Balor's training centre. Well, you know, it's kind of come full circle. And the only girl, and so uncon. She was the only girl there, and she was so uncoordinated, but she fell in love with the business. And back to December 4th, SmackDown, and the man returns. She only missed one SmackDown on the course of Survivor Series, but she was devastated that someone took her spot. And we see a clip of her getting ready backstage. Yeah, again, getting pumped up and into the kind of the character. Uh, clip of the promo with her, Oscar, and Charlotte, which I think was brilliant with uh, the three women on the mic. And then backstage, and this is how in character she is, we see uh, the Usos and New Day. So you can see she's still in the character there of, you know, Damo walking away with a New Day and the Usos. She's saying, what are you saying? I, I am the man. I'll let you off because I'm Irish. But she stays in character like that throughout the, the whole thing, which is not a problem for me as long as she, you know what I mean? It's, it's what she's doing right now. Yeah, well, you know, it did kind of get a bit annoying with the Dean Ambrose one. You know, we I think we mentioned that yeah, yeah, when yeah. his chronicle came up. But I think with Becky Lynch, she kind of... She stays in character, but not seriously in character. Yeah. yeah, this is the thing. And she's still talking about, um, you know, her past. She left wrestling for seven years at 19. She was making a name for herself. She had no backing or support. Her mum didn't want her to do it. She had no real family. She got her and used that as an excuse to, to not wrestle again, basically. Yeah, and she goes on to say she's so grateful for what she's got. And then goes for a workout. And when, I, when you say go for a workout, it's like one of those fucking high intensity training stuff and you know just think rocky montage and it's becky lynch doing it you know she is it's awesome made me tired just watching it you know uh mental toughness though is more important than anything else she says and and that just proves you know you can see it in this uh chronicle of her you know yeah and uh, the little hobbies that she had saw nothing though in saw nothing through until she saw a ring and then she thought it's time to go back December 10th she's giving an interview to ariel monroe uh, on the telephone, still in character though, talking to, to the guy. And then after she breaks characters a wee bit, she loves interviews and wants to get people interesting and getting more, you know, hyped about the character. And then we go on to December the 11th and it's Smackdown in Las Vegas. And there's a poster on the building and it's Charlotte instead of Becky and she's not happy about well, that. She says like, well, is she the champion? No, I'm the champion, but how come Charlotte is there? She says, we all have weak points, and eventually everybody gets beached. They ask her, what's your weak point? She thinks, you're gonna, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to say it. We get clips of Oscar whooping Lynch and Charlotte with the Kendo stick on the CLC. Yeah, and she was. She goes on to say she was, and she was getting sick of putting people over and making them look better. And now she only cares about herself, and in doing that, has elevated everybody as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the man has done more for the women's division than anyone like Charlotte, uh, than anyone. Charlotte and Bliss held the title multiple times and didn't make as big an impact as the man. And that's right from the horse's mouth. That's, you think Charlotte's six-time champion. Lynch has held it, what, once or twice and has made such a huge impact. 
the thoughts on it. Uh, brilliant as character development. Like when Austin used to have his own home videos. I always remember Austin had like a video out every kind of three or four months. And it was just him kind of walking around his trailer going, God damn kid, give me a beer. You know, and it was just like, and with Lynch, it's exactly, you just want to see what they're up to. That's how the kind of, uh, the big, the hot, the characters at the moment. You just always kind of want to see them in action. Well, you know, you see great moments this past week on SmackDown. There was a backstage segment with heavy machinery and the New Day, and Xavier Woods unzips his jacket to reveal that he's got a man T-shirt over, <laughs> and you see, uh, like the uh, heavy machinery are making up like a high protein steak shake thing, and they put a steak in it. They put eggs. They don't even crack them. They put them in. Otis takes a mouthful and he's like, ah, like goes all crazy. And then Becky Lynch is like, yeah, it's a bit weak. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just that, you know, interactions with John Cena recently as well, you know, and getting out on top of the, everything she's been doing on social media, you know, uh, it's been incredible. And I hope it continues, you know, with, with Becky Lynch and the program like Chronicle. It's fantastic. You could, you could just have a series of Becky Lynch just following her week in, week out, still in character. Uh, WWE 365 uh, one exactly and you know you could just just rich you can relate to her as well because she has had nothing she said that with her injury beforehand you know that's why when she missed the virus series and people said that she lied by her injury no because she has done that before and now she wants to be in the forefront and I hope no matter what happens I hope Becky Lynch is uh, you know I would say main event in Wrestlemania but definitely in a title match and though if she's not, I think it'll be a huge travesty. And I, and I feel, I'll say it right now. If they go with Charlotte and Rousey, I feel the crowd will turn back against them and start chanting for Becky. That's why I feel she needs to be involved in that match at the least. But anyway, that's, that's that for Becky Lynch. No, so it's, a, it's a topic that is, is, is white hot right now. And, and anything with Lynch, I think, you know, I'm in. Well, you know, as far as there's rumours going around, apparently she's going to lose the match to Oscar at the Royal Rumble. Enter into the Royal Rumble match itself, you know, potentially beating Carmella down, taking her 30th spot, and then going on to win the Royal Rumble, and then choose to face yeah. Ronda Rousey after Ronda Rousey's allegedly going to be... Yeah, I mean, but you could see a Lex Luger and Bret Hart situation. 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 Well, both go over at the same time, you know, so it, it always could happen. Or, and this is an exclusive from the WNL podcast... She takes out R-Truth because Becky Lynch is the man. She wins the men's Royal Rumble and goes on to face Ronda Rousey that way. Honestly, that could happen, you know, or even Lynch beating Oscar and being the first champion in a Rumble to win the match as well. And you could do it in multiple possible ways. That's what's exciting. We're going to talk about all these possibilities Come the Royal Rumble, we'll do our live kickoff show where we'll run down the card and we'll talk about uh, not only Sasha Banks versus Ronda Rousey, but of course Oscar versus Lynch as well. It's going to be a huge night, not only for, for us, the WR Podcast, WWE, but for women's wrestling as well, because there's three huge matches there now that you can really get excited about and get behind. But we move on from new content. On December 16th, we had the Edge and Christian Show, episode four. This was 24 minutes long. Yes, and Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. He wants money, and he's referencing when he held McMahon hostage at No Mercy 99, and then makes references to Impact. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, there's a couple of little skits they do on the Edge of Christian show that are funny, and this Jeff Jarrett one was. Uh, then we moved on to Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, this is boring, and they get thrown out of some high-end uh, restaurant. 
1-800 Save a Hill was actually another step they did. Uh, Lynch was interviewing. Uh, Lynch was saying basically, please give money to hills that go through stuff. And we see like the Miz getting hit with a cake and then other stuff as well. Which is, uh, which is all and, right. And then we see Christian as Maury Povich, yep. and Slater is on there, and he's saying, "You know, I've got kids." <sighs> Again, you know, not funny. You know, it's yeah. silly. <laughs> So, uh, Edge and Christian show is very, very hit and miss. That wasn't funny. Life-size wrestling buddies now. That's funny. With Christian coming out like that. I wanted one uh, in a box. And uh, I think the woman took um, got an Edge one and took it into her bedroom. But I, I, I like the idea of that, though, if you know what I mean. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, uh, we get Edge and Christian in a tent and Matt Hardy shows up. And it's wonderful. There's a very funny joke. Matt says... Um, Christian says that you're... Oh, Matt's on his property in the tent. And Christian says that it's not the first time Edge has done it. Hey! Yeah, and Matt takes it... Matt takes it well, and it's weird to think that it's the same person, you know, know, after what had happened and all the crap that happened. Yeah, uh, and then Pete Gass shows up looking like crap. Yes, and uh, he's got a book out and helps them become losers, basically like, you know, Greenwich time guys, yeah. and they all have to change their clothes and learn how to dance Greenwich style as well. You know, he ends up turning yeah. them into looking like dickheads. I, I think, you know, this, they do, you know, on the Edge of Christian show, they do a sketch that lasts like kind of three parts and they break it up with yeah. other little parts and this one was a miss. For yeah, me. well, actually, I don't doubt that. Uh, best bit, Chumpstain Challenge, who that gets to survive his team. Uh, that was quite difficult. I, I, I struggled a little bit with that I one. struggled quite a bit as well. Well, you know, I guess the team name and... Yeah. yeah, and then we had Jeff Jarrett. That's J E double F J A double R E double T spelling his name. So basically, I mean, obviously they're encroaching on our gimmick, but you know, I, I give him that anyway. Yeah, yeah, and then they, you know, they're back into the Greenwich sketch, and they have a chat with the King Shane O'Mac. Yeah, and it ends with a Greenwich rap, which I just really didn't like. Uh, next program, yeah, December seventeenth, twenty eighteen. It's WWE Music Power Ten from November. And it's back with an 2018 edition countdowns the most spectacular superstar entrances from all of WWE. And then December 24th, 2018, the Fashion Files Cold Case Unit. It's do or die for detectives Tyler Breeze and Fandango as the Fashion Police close in on Kevin Owens' mysterious pie face perpetrator. It was 30 minutes long, and Dan, I know you're not a huge fan of this, but it was just like the old Fashion Files and featuring Chuck Norris. I've got your interest, haven't I? Well, you, you had me at Norris. Well, July 4th, 2016, there was a food fight and Owens hid, but mysteriously got pied. And we had a list of suspects. Yeah, Rusev and Cesaro, but both had been hit by a pie. Well, Seamus had caked Ziggler, but not pied him. And Jericho, he pied Steph, but was in a hospital after eating a plaster. Titus pie-eating, but he just threw up in JBL's hat. And no one is a suspect. Well, Kurt Angle, no, because he likes strudel. Well, The Rock, because he loves pie. And we saw hit Kevin Owens. It's quite a good little clip, actually. It was Owens trying to get like The Rock's attention backstage, but didn't want to kind of interrupt it whilst he was involved. And it was like, you see it three or four times of Owens looking on. And they were like, well, obviously, The Rock did it because he thinks Owens is a weirdo. Case closed. But next time, who is it? It's The Bunny. I really like the Fashion Files, even though you hate it. And I don't mind it being on the network. I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, we move on. And December 24th, it's WWE Kitchen Smackdown. And uh, Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox and Curtis Axel compete in a cook-off 
For guest judges, Ennis, Ennis Carter, Noel Foley and Mark Henry, and it's hosted by Bo Dallas. Yeah, it's only 15 minutes long, and Fox has no cooking experience, but she can create... After 10 years of WWE, she's obviously doing someone right. You know what I'm saying? She's got no talent whatsoever, but... So that's right. Well, Axel knows how to cook. B-team, B-team, go, go, go. And Dana has won trophies for cooking in the past, apparently. Well, you're judges, though. You've got Enos, is a professional. You've got Noelle, she can't cook, but does eat. And you can see her on Holy Foley on the network. And Mark Henry's mum was a chef, so it's her fault. So we get darts to choose the foods... And they all picked sausage. And now they have half hour to cook it. Well, Bo is the host, maybe Curtis Axel. But again, it's different and entertaining. Obviously, you have to like this type of programme. You could always have wrestlers at yard sales or storage wars or wherever it is trying to pick up bargains. Really? I really could have done with free courses. And uh, the word is there'll be more of these, which I think would be good because it's, it's just nice to have different content, you know. But anyway, about the cooks. Well, Fox <laughs> was absolutely awful. Curtis's sausage wasn't cooked. And Dana, uh, Dana nearly set the kitchen on fire. All right, so one to ten uh, on, we had name. Presentation. And taste. And it was a one to ten to who could get the best score. Uh, Dana's was called Carby Alaflex Sausage. Alicia Fox was Fancying Fox Burger. And Curtis's was Beelicious Sausage Hoagie. And well, Fox got 55. Brooke got 55. And Curtis got 69. So there we go. Curtis wins and he won a golden spatula. And moving swiftly on, we've got Botch Club. Botch Club, December 24th, 2018, only 12 minutes long. But if you've ever seen Botchamania by Matthew, then you know what to expect in this. If not Ganderson, if it's not Ganderson as your host and show all the... If not, Ganderson are your hosts and show all the greatest fuck-ups of all time. Yeah, not sure about sound effects, like the bumps and woo, but anyway, like the commentary, both are funny guys and just hope they take out the beats. Let's hear the fucks, come on. You know, just say it's a bit rated. We'll see it. Yes, well, Gallows, Austin and Howard Finkel, spot on. Yeah, I mean, we do, we do good Austins, but I mean, his is fucking brilliant, aren't they, you know? Yeah. Uh, my, per- well, personal favourites that we have from here. Titus World Slide. I mean, it made it on to my Oh My God moments of last year. And they focused on that and spoke to Titus, who said he meant it. Yeah, then we see the clips of the backstage producers laughing their ass off. Well, you hear Corey Graves, I think he just goes into absolute hysterics over it. Yeah, he fucking loses his shit. Uh, they look at Halloween Havoc Night 95. It's Monster Truck versus Monster Truck and the Yeti. But you can listen to the WWE's most ridiculous, ridiculous for a full recap and more ridiculous moments as well. And we don't bleep out the F-bombs. We don't, we don't indeed. Finally, Anderson calls out Gallows when he was 20 and was on the Million Dollar Tough Enough and couldn't compete course with Al Snow shouting at him. He had his cock out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they showed a clip of him when he was trying to go through the assault course. And unfortunately for him, his shorts had rode up a little bit and his dick was hanging out. But, I mean, Anderson was just kind of, you know, taking the piss out of him. Uh, I quite liked it. Again, I want to see kind of more of it. I know it's a rip on uh, Botchervania, but still, it's good that uh, WWE Network are doing it. And then we had on the same day as well, Xavier's Arcade Challenge. Well, Xavier Woods invades the arcade scene in the city of brotherly love and is seeking a challenge to the retro gaming classic NBA Jam. Only 30 minutes long, though. Yes, and Woods is a massive gamer and his passion shows because he obviously cares 
and wants to learn more when speaking to the owner. Yeah, Philly Arcade, Retro Gaming and Bar Slash Restaurant. Sorry, what arcade? Uh, the Philly Arcade, no, Retro what Gaming. arcade? Oh, sorry. Philly! Arcade, Retro Gaming and Bar Slash Restaurant. First game versus Daryl at Speed Racer. Yes, and the dude is wearing a New Day top and has a title belt and a horn. Yeah, Woods wins the first game. Up next is Marvel versus Capcom. And it is one of the best 50 games of all times. Woods wins again. Up next, X-Men. And this is six players. And unfortunately, they all die. Yes, Mortal Kombat versus his friend Trey. Wood wins. And then we see the arcade game Play Choice. And it costs $2,000. And Woods tells us that AJ Styles actually owns one. Yes, uh, NBA Jam versus Chris. Now, Woods, a former tag champion, went mental playing this game, and I actually enjoyed it watching it, seeing how close it actually was, you know. I really enjoy these shows. Woods, who also goes by Austin Creed, is a great host, and it brings something different for the network, not wrestling, but still on the network, and they need to add more players to this, you know, your cooking challenge and the gaming. Woods is it's so knowledgeable about the subject and wants to know more, and it is interesting to go back and, you know, and see these kind of old games as well. Anyway, move on. December 30th, 2018. Yes, and it is the Edge and Christian show, Series series 2, Episode 5. Edge and Christian invade an urban legend. Oh, that's it. Edge and Christian investigate an urban legend. Dissension spoils a surprise on Title Divas, and the new hotline delivers the inside scoop. Well, 22 minutes, and we start off with WWE talk about it, and CM Punk is censored, and then when they try to say their name, he's censored again, and Christian does say, Colt Cabana, how you doing? Breaking the fourth wall, much like... CM Punk did. Yes, and they are searching for someone called Kay Fade. Well, Fade and Mean Jean with lots of other talking heads. She was apparently a woman, but it's felt like the joke. We all know what Kay Fade is. Yes, um, Hotline, Miz, and... Oh, she was... Oh, yeah, no. Hotline, Miz, and Cole both played it well. Yeah, I like that. Cole was like... Uh, Ring today to find out what A-list WWE superstar is getting fired. And then you see the Miz's face and he's like, oh shit. And then, I, I liked it. Who's going to replace him for Marine 24? Miz like, was well, Marine 6. But anyway, I am a fan of the Miz. And then yes. the jump stain challenge, which was 2-2. And this time mashing faces on different face. Um, I liked the one with Stephanie Triple H could look like Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> that was the best. Yes, uh, Edge wins that one. And we go on to Cruise with Drake Maverick. Yeah, he gave it his all in that little scene there. Bless him, trying to go for another cruise. And then back to Kayfabe. And guess who we see, Dan? Stephen fucking Amell talking head. Yeah, Stephen Amell was made to do this, the poor fucker. Then we get Total Devos, which was Dolph. Breeze, Fandango, Ryder, and Hawkins. And they're all camping it up. And they're arguing over yoga. Uh, and again, it's just a weird kind of... I don't know if it was funny, but I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I've never actually seen Total Divas, so I didn't get any of the references there. And then a game called Hit My Music. Yes, uh, it was Glorious. Shane. Honky Tonk Man. Batista. And Nakamura. I was good. It was just them dancing to the entrance music. And it just looked cool. You just... Doing their own taunts and shit, you know. Uh, we get more kayfabe. They question Foley, and I tell you what, Foley was was okay, but that whole scene wasn't funny. Yes, indeed. So you know, overall, Edge and Christian show it has its good moments, but I think about eighty percent of it is just boring and well, ridiculous. I think if with all the kind of sketches that we see, you've probably got half hour or maybe forty five minutes of good stuff. 
of, of sketches just maybe half hour to just have one show you know or just concentrate yeah. on doing the sketches the throwaway stuff as opposed to the kind of long because we've seen the 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 kayfabe ship was awful the Greenwich stuff wasn't good um, we've got Kill Bill coming up in a minute you know on it it just did not really kind of work that well at the moment but we move on to the new year of January 1st 2019 New Days 2018 Pancake Powered Year End Super Spectacular Special yeah and this is 46 minutes long and the New Day enters a magical realm to present W's biggest moments of 2018 with appearances by Becky Lynch R-Truth and Carmella well much like we did at the end of the year New Day looks back at 2018 in a, in front of green screen, introducing clips. Technology is there. Uh, yeah, yet, I just, I still, I don't get it. I do, it just doesn't still look right for me. And of course, let's not forget to dance break. So now January 7th, uh, Edge and Christian show, Series 2, Episode 6, Kill Billy. Well, Beth Phoenix is out, out for revenge. The boogeyman works on his scare tactics and Tommy Dreamer shares painful memories from the good old days. This is 26 minutes long. And Boogeyman's there in the tent, and he's going to make them watch the best of the that finally scares Edwin Christian. Took too long to get to that joke. Kill Bill? Yes. That was what the episode was basically about, wasn't it? If you haven't seen Kill Bill, again, it's going to be lost on you. Uh, I wonder how Beth Phoenix got the job blow down. What do you reckon? Hmm, I wonder. Beth Copeland. Oh, well, Funaki looks well. Yeah, Funaki looks great. And we see Billy Gunn as obviously Kill Bill. Ooh. I know, weird that now, isn't it? Drew McIntyre and brilliant. We see him the Hulkamania workout set. What a funny joke that was. Probably the best joke of the whole series. McIntyre delivering his lies perfectly. And then we get the Hulkamania workout set. Alright, so then move back to Kill Bill and Foxy is first. And then we get Kane, Tommy and Edge. And this really got confusing, right? So... The, the, Tommy Dream was talking about it in the locker room, but Seamus was dressed as Edge. Yeah. Edge was dressed as Kane. Yeah. And then you had Finley and Apollo Crusher, even though Cruz wasn't around when the story was meant to take place. And they're all throwing tennis balls at Dreamers, well, balls. <laughs> yes. Uh, we go back to Kill Bill, and it's Kari Sane. And hey, we like Kari Sane, but she did get murdered. They didn't use weapons. Well, Kari Sane did have her. Um, Pirate. What the fuck do they call it? Not pirate will, is it? A ship's will. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Ship will. Yeah, she was using that and fucking uh, Beth Phoenix had something. I think a inflatable thing or something. Anyway, Chump saying challenge and Edge was free to up. And this was knee jerk reaction. Uh, guessing knee pads. I did really well in this one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, when no one else was here to uh Honestly, to see I it. Did. Uh, it was tiebreaker and, and then the tiebreaker was. All right, well, so back to Kill Bill. She kills Billy with a foam finger. Billy does look good, but we end scene. Yes, uh, not a bad series, but if you don't get the references, you're fucked. But the best thing about the show is camaraderie between Edge and Christian. Yeah, I really like Edge. I think they just host their own shit, do you know what I mean? Like, just have them host, like, the Slammies or something like that. And for some reason, I think Christian is much better than Edge as well. I don't know why... But I just think Christian just makes me laugh. I think he's 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 quite a funny guy with his edge. Kind of needs to work on it maybe a little bit more. January twelfth, chasing the magic, Nigel McGuinness. Oh, I thought he was going to say chasing the dra- dragon, Mike Canellis. <laughs> but anyway, no, it's chasing the magic, Nigel McGuinness. He's already had a documentary, The Last McGuinness, which came out in twenty thirteen. 
And there is no Hollywood ending to this story. That was Nigel McGuinness, the last McGuinness. When people have asked me to name my favourite wrestling documentary over the years, I've always pointed to The Last of Miguel McGuinness, which is just a tremendous piece of art more than anything else. Funded by a Kickstarter campaign, that documentary is a very moving and very emotional tale of one man trying to achieve his dream and coming to the realisation that it would never happen. The premise of the documentary was one final tour before he quit on his dream forever for himself and for his health. At the time, the actual documentary, it looked like the dream was truly over. Well, fast forward six years and Nigel McGuinness's dream finally came true in that he was in that he became an announcer for the WWE UK expansion. The documentary that premiered Saturday on the WWE Network tried to show what led to Nigel's dream becoming a reality. Well, it would obviously be very difficult to recapture what made The Last McGuinness so special. The majority of the original documentary was recorded in real time and therefore it felt more real and emotionally raw. While the network special did a decent enough job of showcasing the career of Nigel prior to W rejecting him due to medical issues, it does feel like a sanitised version of The Last of the McGuinness. WWE told the story and it was a very honest and open account. I did wonder where they were going to feature I did wonder whether they were going to feature any information about the difference of opinions on his bicep injury and then his run with TNA and other medical issues. But all this was covered in the new documentary, so therefore I have to applaud WWE for being open and honest about his story. Again, though, it just didn't feel as raw and I didn't empathise with McGuinness as much as I did during his own production. Well, one of the characteristics shown of Nigel in the last McGuinness is the fact that one minute he seemed to be on top of the world and the next moment he was back down again. This was evident on the new W documentary that showed a clip of him in the hotel getting ready to go to the Royal Albert Hall and talking excitedly about the evening's event and in the next minute he showed him in the hallways of the arena seemingly quite down while wishing he had the opportunity to wrestle there. This was a constant in the last of McGuinness where he felt the need to reassure himself that despite, despite the way his career ended that he'd had a decent run. Some people might see this as an annoying trait however I see this as a man who is never satisfied with what he's achieved and always wants to strive for more. Well, going into watching the W documentary, I rewatched the Last of McGuinness documentary, and felt like it was fast spirit W's offering. If you haven't seen the Last of McGuinness, I strongly recommend the network special, and then watch the original documentary. Not only do you get a sense of some of the highlights of his career in the network special, but you also get to see the dream being in McGuinness a lot more palatable. While the original documentary was released in 2013, watching McGuinness spiral into depression and seeming out of control was very disturbing. We'll acknowledge that he's achieved his dream and is now happy in comparison is wonderful to watch. The network special is better in terms of having access to the talent who wrestled McGuinness in Ring of Honor, such as Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins and Cesaro, and other places such as Kurt Angle in TNA. They have wonderful stories to tell regarding McGuinness and his influence in the industry. It's how unlikely it was for someone from the UK to achieve what he did in the early 2000s. There was also noteworthy admission from Brian regarding his original WWE medical exam, which I applaud WWE for not editing out. Well, one fun moment from the original was seeing a lot of UK talent roughly seven years fully appeared on Saturday's NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool special. Wrestlers such as Trent Seven, Jack Gallagher, Zach Gibson were involved in Nigel's retirement tour, and it's fun to watch Robbie Brooks side before he was a noteworthy coach in NXT. Seeing how far the UK independent scene has come in seven years is interesting in itself, and McGuinness should be proud that he had a hand in that. In conclusion, I recommend the WWE Network special on Nigel McGuinness as an honest story. It doesn't pull any punches, 
and I didn't feel that it was necessarily a fluff piece as they were open and honest regarding the issues that held McGuinness back over the years. Well, again, though, the last of McGuinness is still a definitive documentary on Nigel McGuinness. Watching it back this weekend and knowing how Nigel's story ends, they knowing that Hollywood-style endings can occur in the wrestling industry. And obviously, go and watch that on the WWE Network. With a pint of Guinness. With a pint of Guinness, and you can enjoy it. Honestly, what a great performer. And I'm so glad that Nigel McGuinness has got success. Uh, in in WWE. <clears throat> All right, and then January, we move on to January fourteenth, twenty nineteen, and the original special. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. Dan, what was it about? Well, WWE superstars and legends celebrate the life and legacy of one of sports entertainment's most beloved personalities, Mean Gene Ogland. Yeah, and it was thirty minutes long, and this already feels like a. Really, really good. And Mean Gene is the the rater. He tells us he was born in South Dakota, December fourteenth, nineteen forty two, and grew up watching uh, the Crusher and of course uh, Vern Gagne. He was a fan as a teen, watching professional wrestling. But he had a, he he found something even more interesting. Dan, what was that? Well, he was more interested in the man behind the mic, and he first started, believe it or not, in radio. Yeah, known as Gene Leader and given all the hits to the, the radio shows. He then moved to Miena, Mila, I can't say it. Minneapolis. It? There you go. Where, where did he move to? He then moved to Minneapolis, AWA All-Star Wrestling. Yeah, and Hogan says Mean Gene helped him out and they chilled out afterwards. When Hogan started off, he wasn't the Hogan character we all know and love now. He used to have his back to the camera and Mean Gene used to talk through what he wants to say and then they go out afterwards and have a chat. Uh, and, and I really liked that. But Dan, how did he get his name? Well, Jesse Ventura came up with it and Hogan brought it home. Yeah, Mean Gene says he never uh, said he was Mean Gene Oakland, always Gene Oakland. Um, Hogan tells Gene that he's going to the WF and you're coming, brother. They call it New York because New York was known as like a WF at the time. This is when the lot of AWA talent went over, of course, the boom period, wasn't it? Yes, and uh, well, he was part of the boom period and... Fun fact, he sang the national anthem at WrestleMania 1. Yeah, I mean, it, he said that someone did pull out. But, he, I mean, just imagine the first WrestleMania, Mean Gene's doing the national anthem. Uh, who can remember uh, that historic WrestleMania 3 when he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, attendance is 93,000. You know, it gives you goosebumps thinking about it now. Uh, it, it's crazy when you, you think about it. And, of course, then Hulkamania as well in WWF, how huge that was. And it was me and Gene kind of training with Hulk Hogan and kind of doing... Geno-mania. Exactly, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, you know? Yes, and then he went on to join WCW as part of, like, you know, the, not part of the NWO. No, but part of the another boom period. So he, he was already experienced the Hulkamania thing. He then moved over. And a lovely moment where, you know, he... he oh, no, I'll say that in a minute. Uh, yeah, fuck, no, I can jump to that. Yeah, EC said uh, he hugged Vince before moving to WWE. He said, I just need to do something new, you know, and the boys gave him uh, a standard ovation as he left, which he was very emotional about. So he left on good terms as well. Then went to WWE, was in their boom period at that time as well, when they were on top of the world. Uh, and not only that, but after WWE folded, he wasn't done yet, was he, you know? He was at WrestleMania 17, the oh. biggest WrestleMania of all time in 2001. Gimmick Mean Gene Battle Royal. In Oakland and Bobby the Brain Heenan, both their contacts. So you imagine that. Boom period in 84, boom period in the 90s, and then back to the Attitude Era. Uh, and then afterwards as well, of course, doing all this work on um, Confidential and, of course, uh, Legends of Wrestling as well. But we got more into him, and he said he loved um, 
interviewing Macho Man Randy Savage, and we had a couple of really nice moments with kind of him and the Macho Man. But this this program was so well put together. You know, there's a couple of really kind of great moments. We just see the Macho Man and uh, Mean Gene Oakland now, just the kind of intensity of what they've got. And then we kind of see a couple of bloopers as well for Mean Gene, which we always love. Mean Gene did it all in the WF, all his skits and everything like that. I mean, it's just that you get a smile on your face just looking at all the great moments, you know what I mean? All the interactions that you had with Hogan or Roddy Piper or Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, it's just, it's it's fantastic, you know, it really, really is. Indeed, yes, you know, he was kind of like a a more light-hearted version of Jim Ross. Yes, yeah, without a doubt, but everything he did... He kind of sold it seriously, but he could uh, kind of laugh and joke, and he was he's kind of quick on his feet as well. And like I said, moved on to Confidential, which is great when you go looking behind the scenes on the network as well, and Legends of Wrestling, which is a roundtable discussion, which which is, I, I love those type of programs, and Mean Gene yeah. was a big part of that. But then Dan, it, one of his proudest achievements. Well, he was inducted into the WNR podcast Hall of Fame at the end of 2018. Now, his second biggest achievement is being the first announcer into the WWE Hall of Fame on April the 1st, 2006. Yeah, and he said he's going to be buried in his front so everybody can kiss his ass. I didn't like him, which is brilliant. Uh, But we still have more Mean Gene because he was in Legends House and we uh, we have talked about it before on the WNR podcast. Again, another program I love, sticking legends inside the house. Mean Gene became, uh, was friends with Pat Patterson anyway, and he said that he survived thanks to Pat Patterson being in the house. We had a lot of other people in there. We had uh, Jim Duggan, and of course Rowdy Roddy Piper as well, Jimmy Hart, who Mean Gene didn't really get along with quite well in the in Legends house, but still, it's weird now to, to look at Roddy Piper, look at Mean Gene, and think these are the kind of legends that we've, we've lost, you know, in, in a horrible way. But it was a really, really nice program, and he's still doing story time. We we talked about story time a couple of months ago as well that he was commentating on, and it didn't stop from the AWA in the seventies. Worked full time seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties, into the tens, and at the company that was kind of biggest at that moment in time, which is incredible achievement as well when you think about that. Well, you see it as a coincidence. I don't. Yeah. I see it as because Mean Gene was there, the fans were there, without a doubt. What a lovely tribute that was from WWE Network and from WWE and, you know... Very fitting tribute, yeah, yeah, to a man who's kind of lived his life for the business. Yeah. All right, so now we move on to a bit of network news. There are signs that the expected tiering pricing system that was reported in the last quarter of 2018 is about to be rolled out. Launching on the 24th of February 2014, the WWE Network has gone from strength to strength over the years reporting 1 million paid subscribers after less than a year. The network has continually added more programming and contents to the archive footage. The reported tiers are as follows. So tier 1 is free, no subscription, 5 hours of archived material, 24-7 live stream, 5-minute clips, no pay-per-view, no NXT, commercials. And tier 2, which is $4.99, is as it is now, but no any takeovers, some commercials, big four pay-per-views only, Raw and SmackDown 30 days after they air. Tier 3, 9 everything as it is now with fewer commercials. And Tier 4 is fourteen ninety nine. no commercials, access to independent content, offline downloads, group chat and right to vote on the Hall of Fame. 
So a Twitter user recently uploaded a picture of the W pop-up message saying that the monthly charge would now be 10.99. There'll be no official word from changes to network as the time of this podcast. But like we say, we're going to keep you updated as soon as we know anything else. But it looks like now you've got a choice to either you know continue paying it or maybe pay a little bit more. You're going to get the extra. I think it's a clever idea by WWE. I'm not surprised that they're doing it. Uh, it's taken time. I mean, the network came out in what? It came out in 2014. So, you know, that's been now five years like this. So, yeah, I think the model to change a little bit. Uh, but it'd be interesting. Dan, what would you do in that subscription choice? I don't know, because I've said I wanted more independent content. So I'd probably go for the 1499 one. You know, no commercials, access to independent content, offline downloads, group chat. I'm not too sure about that, because it's just going to be a bunch of fanboys bashing their bishops over fucking Becky Lynch and what yeah, but there might, is. there might be a chance for us to connect through the W network if we can you know maybe start a group chat there as well so I think there's a, a possibility in that way as long as you please don't masturbate whilst we're, you're in the group chat you know what I'm saying I, I think it'll be maybe a thing to look at down the line yes indeed uh, but you know again we'll we see how things go and with the regards to the ten ninety nine, didn't Amazon? Uh, not Amazon. Didn't Netflix just put up their price? Yes, Netflix did as well. So, by a pound. Yeah. So they're doing exactly the same thing, and Netflix is kind of the biggest streaming in the world now, isn't it? So and it's overtaken just normal TV. So it's incredible, and the future is in streaming services. And WWE Network was kind of ahead of the rest in that regard. So we move on to two oh five live, and we start off nineteenth of December, episode one hundred and eight. The show opens with Drake Maverick recapping TLC and hyping up tonight's festivities in his traditional opening segment. Well, Aria Davari and Hideo Itami make their entries together. Davari gets on the mic and tells the crowd to show Itami the respect he deserves and shut their damn mouth. He shouldn't have to speak for Hideo, but he just can't sit idly by and watch a legend be mistreated. His feet aren't just educated, they have a doctorate in stomping skulls and hasn't got any real competition on the show for two months. Well, until he gets the respect he deserves, this episode of 205 Live is cancelled. Well, enter Drake Maverick, and he says the only thing the two of them are going to get is a suspension. Well, enter Noam Dar. He speaks off mic with Drake a moment, and Maverick says it's their lucky day, because out of respect for Dar, he's going to make Noam versus Adeo right now. And that is the first match, Hideo Itami versus Noam Dar. Well, Dar in with left hands, backing Itami into the corner and forcing referee Ryan Tran to pull him off. Taking Hideo corner to corner, smashing his face in the turnbuckles, whip reverse, duck a lariat, big drop kick and Itami rolls to the floor. And follow after and throws him back inside, spinning him around and around in underhooks to set up a backslide, but no, managing to kick out. Ah. Itami hangs Dar over the top rope and kicks him in the ribs a few times before heading up top for a guillotine leg drop. More strikes to the midsection, shoulder thrust whip across for the kitchen sink knee. Reverse chin lock applied, 
Noam fights to his feet, so him with a right back down to the mat. Snapmare knee drops to the face into the disdainful fake-out back kick. Well, Dar fired up off the ropes, but Itami able to cut the rally off and take him back down into the reverse chin lock again. Noam with back elbows, shoulder arm break, a reverse. He trips Adair up by sliding under him, following up by kicking his leg out of his leg. Palm thrust to the gut and an uppercut, and Dar is rolling, charging forearm, and Northern Suplex gets two. Two. A schoolboy comes up empty, takes a huge kick, but Noam goes back to the legs and heads up top, fending Davari off before perching for a double stomp on... But fending Davari off before perching for a double stomp, but nobody's home and he lands bad on one leg. Hideo with a strike rush, hesitation drop kick, inverted face lock, and Itami wins by pinfall with the inverted face lock rolled into a single knee face breaker. Well, Drake Maverick meets backstage with Buddy Murphy and congratulates him on his fantastic win at TLC. Murphy says that everybody says that Cedric Alexander Mustafa Ali was supposed to be his biggest threat, but he beat them both. And he corrects Drake to say that he's the best cruiserweight in the world and the whole world needs to know that. He needs his next defence to be a challenge so that if he wins, no one can deny that he's the greatest champion in history. And, and buddy, mate, I am 100% behind you. I agree with everything you say. James, you would be behind him. You would be on your knees in front of him. You would be where Buddy Murphy what wants What can I say? One be. of my guys. One of my guys. Leading 205 Live in 2019. It's only the fifth best promotion that WWE <laughs> have. But anyway, Maverick says... He can see he's determined and asks for a couple of days to put something together so he can have an announcement on that challenge next week. Ooh, well, Leo Rush makes his entrance and says he usually likes to say a few words and gets the crowd excited, but he's a busy man, so he decks his opponent, Aaron Solo. Yes, and that is Aaron Solo versus Leo Rush, and Solo sidesteps the charge, right hands off the ropes, but Rush trips him up and hits a big bulldog off the apron. Back in, up top, final hour. Leo chooses not to end it just yet, amounts Aaron for repeated punches before heading up top again. And Leo Rush wins via pinfall with the final hour. Well, Cedric gets a hand cam promo talking about how he's had the championship slip away at the last moment before, but he's not given up, and this is still his show and his division. And Buddy Murphy is holding his title that he intends to come back for real soon. I'm sorry, it's, it's over for you, Cedric. Well, Akira Tozawa and Brian Kendrick versus Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher in a street fight. Yeah, and that is our main event. Should be a cracker match. And no, this is not the 10-year challenge. This is actually the Brian Kendrick. If Brian Kendrick would look exactly the same. So here we go. We've seen Jack Gallagher turn on Brian Kendrick and <laughs> side with Drew Gulak. And Kendrick coming out here with a, no beard. I just, well, he's coming running out here with Hideo. Gulak and Jack going to meet him. They're meeting halfway on the entrance ramp. And all <laughs> brawling around. Gulak's got a suit on. I just can't get over Brian. He just looks so young. I mean, he looks like the Brian Kendrick in 2006. He, he looks like Paul London's going to come out in a minute and tag team with him. And Gulak gets sent into uh, LCD screen. And Jack Gallagher follows closely behind at the hands of Akira Tozawa. And Atami's come out in recent weeks and of course has been sporting Brian Kendrick and it's nice that these two men have kind of got a, a respect for each other and now finally the bell rings. This is a street fight and we're seeing a different side of Kendrick. Well, Kendrick and Tozawa going straight for the tables. They're not wasting any time whatsoever. Well, that'll get the crowd into it and now Kendrick Tozawa up in the apron getting their way back in. But Gallagher and Gulak was waiting 
for them to get back in the stomach. He just throws them out. Now it's Gulak. He's got his tape's fist. It... Now it's, it's Gulak. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now it's Gulak. He's got his fist taped. You don't usually see that. Wow. Well, Gallagher and Gulak are... Uh... Oh. They're doing a bit of good housekeeping there and put the table back under the ring and saying, no, the fans don't deserve it. And is it part of Gulak's plan for a better 205 line? Oh, well, Kendrick and Dazar are using the top of the announce table to take out Gallagher and Gulak. They throw Gulak back in and now it's Kendrick and Tazara, both cruiserweight champions. There is fist name to me and to you. look <laughs> that way. Treat that's a chuckle vision reference. It's got to be, because Jack would have known, wouldn't he? He might have got him into chuckle vision. When he's seen double vision at the moment with the beatdown by Dezawa. Oh, Brilliant tag Kendrick. team action there. Go for the cover. Two. Oh, but gentlemen, Jack in to break it up. And he gets caught in the side by Dezawa. Now both these men brawling. Jack is a punching bag in between uh, Tazawa and Kendrick. And this is all Jack Gallagher's uh, own doing, really. Get taken to the woodshed, double boot. And still not finished, Kendrick now, on all fours. Hits the senton off the back of Kendrick. <laughs> oh! Well, and Jack, though, very clever, rolling out the ring. I don't think it's that clever, because it looks like Tazawa and Kendrick are going to go flying. Well, Gulak checking on Jack. No, they're just laying in wait for him to get back into the ring, but they get their legs swept from underneath them. Lifting the apron and looking maybe for a table. No. Trash can. And a broomstick. Looking like they're going to do some cleaning up. And a shot right to the back of the head. You can tell each team hates each other. Oh, I know what it was. It was a drill bit case. Oh, Gulak just wailing out the back of Tazar with that trash can. Oh, my God. Now puts it over the top of him. Now he's got the broom. Cleaning the ring up. Oh, and just hits the... Trash can a couple of times. One, two. Oh, but Tazawa managing to kick out. Ah. The crowd reaction. I've never seen a crowd not react to like weapon shots before. It's just, you heard that kind of fud on top of this, <laughs> the broom hitting the trash can. There's just no reaction. I know there's hardly anybody there, but... Well, you must kind of know what you sign up for when you go to... You know, this is what off the back of SmackDown. Even that, all I think the taping it might be before. So, but even before or after, like you kind of know, like you say, it's going to be there anyway. So, if you're a fan of WWE, you're going to want to buy a ticket. And it's it just seems as if none of these fans even know what's going on there or doesn't comprehend it to me. Well, Gulak with a mop to Kendrick's face. And he's really got a problem with the cleaning utensils, you know, the mops and the brushes. Well, James, he wants to clean up 2i5 Live. Oh, very clever. And that's what he's doing. He's Is he the cleaner of WWE? B, we'll oh. see what happens. As Kendrick's getting beaten down the same for Tazawa. He's just putting that dirty mop in the face of Kendrick. And that's probably cleaned up spit, drinks and urine. The old man's piss and Kendrick trying to fight back. And now he's lost his temper after that kind of hulked him up a little bit. And Jack taking Tazawa down and Tazawa's having to bite down hard on the mouthpiece to get his shoulder up at two. Two. Oh my God, and Gulak just choking out Kendrick. He's fish-hooking him. And again, you don't know where that's been, it's in his mouth. 
But James, you're forgetting that we used to see Mick Foley oh. put his sock down someone's gullet, which he'd pulled from his trousers. Well, you say we are seeing Mr. Sucko this year. Every time we're watching WWE versus WCW, and of course we've got February's edition coming up next month, and Tazara there, a bit of payback to Gulak. Dragging him in the ring, but he gets pretty much immediately cut off by Jack Gallagher. But he was ripping away at Gulak's mouth there, and Jack didn't like that. Oh my! And they sent Tazara skating backwards over into the announcer's area. Yeah, took him right there, and landed on the back of his neck. So now it's just two and one as uh, Gulak and Gallagher throw Kendrick back in. Looking for a cover, but Kendrick kicking out at one. Oh, one. And then another one at one. One, one. And then another one at one. One, one. And then a fourth at two. And now Gallagher's got Kendrick up on his shoulders. Hangs him up on that top rope. Oh, and Gulak with a thunderous lariat. Goes for cover. Two. Oh. Oh. Well, somehow Kendrick gets the shoulder up at two. Two. And he's got a far away look in his eyes. We know Tazawa's been taken out. Well, the bucket is placed down, wheels up, which is dangerous for Kendrick. Now it looks like they're going to double suplex him on it. Oh, oh no. no. Kendrick manages to fight out, delivers a double DDT to Gulak and Gallagher. Look like he spiked Jack right on the top of his head. And it's like Gulak's just rolled out. Now Tazawa's back up and he's slugging away at Drew Gulak. <laughs> and Gulak swinging wildly, nearly hitting the ring technician. And Tazawa back, sends Gulak out on the chair. Psyching himself out of a big scream. Oh. Comes flying in and gets a microphone to the head. Might check one too. And then the mic drop. <laughs> well, Gulak talking trash, went for a microphone shot, got blocked by Tazawa who was holding the ring bell and then the old fake right Gulak puts his hands up as soon as he drops them Tazawa clocks him with a big right hand and now Tazawa's turned up the speed here Hurricane Runner on Gallagher Shining Wizard standing sent on and Tazawa turned it up and now the chair's been thrown in <laughs> just throws a chair at Jack Gallagher throws it at Gulak as well well, Gulak's out on his feet on the outside. It looks like so is Kendrick at the moment. <laughs> Kendrick can barely navigate his way around the ring. Well, the fans jump. We want tables as they set. Oh, has got Gulak on that ring post. Can use a bungee cord. Oh, I'm not even sure why the cord is around there, but it's just gone around Gulak and it's tied him up on the ring post. And he can't reach Tazawa. Oh, Gulak's tied up and they're just chopping away at the chest. This is payback for Goo. This is payback for Gulak. And a shirt down and now just chops at least 12 or 13. At least 15 to 18 chops. But Jack comes to his rescue with a trash can, takes out both Tazawa and Kendrick. And looked like Gulak just draped himself down and got out of the bungee cord. And now Jack wants one of the chairs. He wants Percy Jackson slash Watson's chair. As he picks Tazawa up by his ear. And now Gulak. Headbutting Tazawa right on that chair. Oh my god, now setting up the chair towards Jack. <laughs> wow, Tazawa's sat on the chair, pushes it towards Jack, who comes running in. Drop kick. 
Well, I'm not sure if I've seen that before. That's quite cool. I don't think I've seen that before. And now Jack's got Kendrick. Oh, and now Drew is holding Kendrick. And Kendrick's having to watch everything that's going on. But he's getting set up on a chair. No, trying to fight back. Now the submission commission getting called. Oh, my God. Oh, Gulak lands on the chair. And then Gallagher gets thrown onto his lap there from Kendrick. And now Kendrick, well, I'd say he might have the advantage, but he looks pretty down at the moment. And now Jack Gallagher somehow gets back in the ring. He's in there with Kendrick. That back elbow. Now another trash can is juiced by Drew. Oh, Kendrick's got it. And now the trash can only got in the way is Jack. Managing to turn it round. And oh my god, now he's got the leg of his former mentor. But Tazawa's up. <laughs> and Tazawa's got the submission in Jack as Jack's got it in Kendrick. Oh, that's very innovative. And now Gulak. He's got the head of Tazawa saying it's four submissions, no three. No, now just the one. And there's Gulak taking out Tazawa. Well, so Gulak's in. And look how much he's tearing and, and wearing out Tazawa. Kendrick trying to get to it, but Jack's stopping him. No! <laughs> oh, Kendrick picks up Gallagher and throws him onto Gulak. And now Kendrick's eyes. Got mad look going after Gulak. Gulak. And just rights and lefts, rights and lefts. Gulak trying to cover up, but Gallagher comes running in with a knee to the jaw of Kendrick. Kendrick forgot about Jack Gallagher there. They're now looking for another Gulak. And Kendrick's still trying to fight it. Well, now Jack's got the submission in to Brian. He's got the ropes, but this is a street fight. Well, it's an inverted version of the Indian Deathlock. Oh, my God, though. Tazawa going up top. And I don't think Jack can see him. Oh! <laughs> it's a senton off top onto Gallagher. Goes for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh! Gulak managing to break it up. Oh, now Kendrick rolls over Gulak. Slice bread. Now he gets perched up on the top. Oh, but Tazawa's up. Kick Gulak to the fa- uh, to the midsection. Goes for the face. Gulak dodges. Can't block the second one. That was like a troubling paradise, wasn't it? Yeah. Now we, can, now we can see Tazawa. Oh, my God. Tazawa goes flying for a suicide dive and just gets stopped in his tracks by Gulak <laughs> holding a track. There's a Tazawa-sized dent in the trash can now. Kendrick on top with Gallagher. And Tazawa's going to be about three or four inches shorter. <laughs> At least seven or eight inches shorter. <clears throat> He's going to have a, like an accordion. Oh my God, now on top. Kendrick has got Jack on that second. Slice spread number two from the top. One, two, three. Oh, and Kendrick breaks Jack Gallagher here. Was that a slice spread number two or Saluda del Sol? I mean, that was a slice spread number two, but if the top right might be slice spread number three. Got the job done there, beating Jack. Not a bad street fight, Dan. What are your thoughts? I thought it was quite an entertaining street fight. You know, it's a bit of a slow burner and uh, built up a bit of speed. I would like to have seen a table spot, you know, after they introduced the table, but then it got put away by Gulak and Gallagher. But it's good to see the faces getting a bit of retribution over the hills. Yeah, without a doubt. And Gulak and uh, Gallagher will live to fight another day. But it's nice, Kendrick getting the victory here. Like it's a very entertaining match. 
on 205 Live. What are you doing? James, what on earth are you doing? What am I doing? What's it look like I'm doing? It looks like you're trying to blow up some balloons. Yeah. No shit. Why are you blowing up balloons? You know why. Really? Yes, the end of the month. Do you mean the WNR 200 on January the 25th? Well, of course. We are live and it's going to be a party. We're playing games. So I thought not only snacks, but game changer, balloons. Well, I thought we would have a retrospective look back at 200 episodes of the WNR and pick out important or funny moments that we have made and tell everyone what goes into making the WNR podcast. Oh, yeah, all right, we'll do that instead then. Episode 109, December 26th. This week on 205 Live, we had a very special holiday edition where they look back at the biggest moments from 2018, plus looking at what the future holds for James's Cruiserweight Champion. Buddy Murphy. Yeah, so basically it was just a clip show, so we move on to episode 110, which was the 2nd of January 2019. And the show opens with a graphic in memory to the late, great, mean Gene Oakland. And General Manager Drake Maverick does his usual intro and rundown of tonight's matches. And we get the intro theme. The first match of the night is Kalisto versus Leo Rush. Uh, in a WWE Cruiserweight Championship qualifying match. So we know it's going to be a fatal four-way at the Royal Rumble. Buddy Murphy will be defending his Cruiserweight Championship, but who will meet him? We're going to have three qualifying matches. We're going to have two tonight, one next week, and the first match is Leo Rush versus Kalisto. Uh, Dan, who are you backing in this one? (laughs) I am backing anyone but the loudmouth Leo Rush. Yeah, well, Leo Rush, but has he backed it up? I mean, he's beat a lot of people on 205 Live. You know, he came up short against Cedric Alexander, no pun intended. But, you know, he, he, you've got to be impressed with Leo Rush, have you? I haven't. No, you're not impressed. I, I've, I've been a little bit impressed by him. I mean, the dude can definitely fly. Um, the Hill character at the moment is definitely working. You know, he's getting Lashley kind of over with it as well. Uh, and I think it should be a great match here. Yeah, I'm a real big fan of Kalisto. Uh, watching old Rumble events, Rumble 2016 United States Championship match beat Alberto Del Rio. So it's only a couple of years ago, really, that he was, you know, doing really well. Is there hope for Kalisto still in the, the cruiserweight division slash WWE now? Uh, I, I'm not too sure, you know, with uh, the resurgence of Rey Mysterio and the great matches he's been having recently. I think, you know, these masked wrestlers have kind of been put on the back burner. That's weird. Lucha House Party have been featured uh, pretty prominently on, on Raw recently as well in a kind of weird way to kind of have any advantage. But I think Kalisto's a top talent. The same, I think, with Grand Metallic and... Um... Linsterado! But you can't discredit the great Lucha Juan. Yes, and he's been pictured with them backstage as well. This, this mysterious Juan... Very big guy who's been teaming up with Lucha House Party, you know. So I wonder if he might be a part of it down the line. It'll be interesting. I think these two men match up very, very well in sizes. Rush gets springs off the bottom rope. This is going to be a very entertaining match, I feel. Yes, and I also feel that the fans are going to be very underappreciated of this as well. I know, but look at that. Beautiful there by Kalisto. A couple of backflips there as Leo Rush goes out the ring. 
And you see um, my cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy, backstage with the title belt, looking just slick as ever, with Tony Nese, his friend, by his side. Rush back in, and now slapping Kalisto round the face, and that will slow it down a little bit. So Kalisto reacts to that, going to chase Rush, and I think Leo might be a little bit quicker. It's somehow getting away. Running around the edge of the ring, and uh, Kalisto hand springs off the steel stairs, rolls back in the ring. Rolls up, wow, well, looks to roll up Rush, but he rolls through, kicks him in the head. And <laughs> Kalisto and Rush are a bit of a stalemate at the moment, bouncing it's, off the ropes. It's just so quick as well, it's difficult to call at the moment. They're trying to catch each other. Now it looks like finally Kalisto's got Rush. And now comes running in, send Kalisto over the top, and then a handspring by Rush takes Kalisto off the apron to the floor, and here comes Leo. Suicide dive takes out Kalisto. My God. Now Kalisto throwing back in. And Rush gets confidence for me, even though Metallic and Dorado are out ringside. Well, the crowd are slightly getting into the match with a lucha chance. Snap suplex to Kalisto. I think what helps as well, they have been seen on Raw. You know what I mean? So people do know what they are and what the kind of gimmick is now. If they've never seen 205 Live before. Like I said earlier, it's incredible to think people buy tickets who've never really seen... You know, only watch kind of Raw and SmackDown as well and be like, oh, look, these guys, they're from here. Oh, look, Leo Rush, you know, he's Bobby Lashley's man. Just like, they're probably watching out that and get into it in that way. Well, Kalisto looks and roll up Leo Rush, gets him down, but only gets a two. Two. Back to his feet and Rush with a wicked clothesline there. Takes down Kalisto. Has he been getting uh, brawling tips from the big Bobby Lashley? It looks that way, you know, kind of more of a beat down rather than the kind of high-fly moves that we have seen. But there is an aggressive side to Leo Rush, even though we don't see it often due to the kind of just cocky nature of him. But he's there. I mean, Lashley must be teaching him because he's got the double underhooks in. He's got back control, as it were. So I'm, I'm sure Lashley has given him a couple of tips. They've probably been wrestling each other backstage, Dan. It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if Lashley uh, showed Leo Rush's full Nelson. <laughs> Or just half of his Nelson. <laughs> Probably bigger than fucking Leo Rush. Anyway, going off piste. <clears throat> Kalisto sent to the outside. And that's Leo Rush there saying, there you go, that's your mate down there. And Dorado checks on him. And there's Rush in the corner. Just being a cocky so-and-so. Let Kalisto get in the ring on his own accord. Oh, and Rush delivers a kick to the side of Kalisto's head as he was struggling to get to his feet. Well, Leo Rush now submission... And in control of Kalisto. And has been now for the past few moments. Kalisto finally getting back to his feet. Trying to fight back against Rush. A few kicks and nice forearms. But Rush is responding. And he got a combination of his own. Backing Kalisto up into the corner. But Rush can still feel the effects of those shots. Comes running in. Gets thrown on the apron. Oh, and then kicked off. And Kalisto, Kalisto springboarding oh. off the top rope. From his knees. To the outside, taking out Rush. Now Kalisto throws Rush in, but oh! And a huge roundhouse kick to the face. Follows up with a second spinning kick to the jaw. And now he's looking to maybe go for the cover. Now he's going to go up. He's going to look for the final hour. And this might be the final moments of this match. If he can take advantage. And Kalisto up! Well, very innovative there, just... On his back, flicks his legs up into the air, takes out Leo Rush. It was like a mule kick to the face and Rush is out on top at the moment. 
And now Kalisto going up. Gets stopped by Rushlow. Headbutt. Kalisto is hanging on just about. Well, rush with a uh, rush with a slap to Kalisto, knocking him down. But Kalisto responding with a step up in Segure. Now both men in a very precarious position. It looks like Kalisto, he's got Rush in a fall away slam on that second rope. Fall away slam, but Kalisto flips over. Oh! oh. <laughs> rush gets the shoulder up at two. Two. And now both men down, struggling to get to the feet after a hell of an effort by either guys. Now Kalisto looking, Lucha House Party. Looking for the Salida del Sol, but Rush catches both his arms in a test of strength. We're going to try to see that spinning on prettier. Oh my goodness. Takes One, out Kalisto. Oh. oh. Kalisto oh. just managing to kick out. Uh, I thought that was over. Very impressive move there. Yeah, he must have spun around at least 180 degrees. At least 540. Well, the mm. tape's coming off. Well, the tape's coming off, and Leo Rush means business right now. And a straight right hand to the face. And a second one. And Kaliso struggling to get to his feet now. Kaliso <coughs> into block it. Jawbreaker. Gets just enough separation to kind of gather his bearings. Springboard corkscrew elbow. And now loads loads of kicks. Takes down Rush. Oh, oh. my God. Comes running in low and Rush with a big boot to the face. Spinning heel kick to the jaw. Rocks Rush. Oh, but Rush though being the offensive guy got cleased up on his shoulders. And then he hung him up on that top rope. Okay, flying down, hit those wafer thin mats. How thin are those mats, Dan? Those mats are mere millimetres thick over just pure concrete. No, oh, referee Charles Robson counting, and he's he's on five now, and Kalisto hasn't moved yet. Referee eight, and Kalisto doesn't know where he is. Nine. Oh, at nine and a half, Kalisto's back in the ring. You can see the frustration on Leo Rush as he looks to go up top. To try and end this match once and for all. And oh my god, Dorado Metallic. You get distracted by them spinning there. Well, Leo Rush is trying to go Dorado into hitting him. So he gets uh, Kalisto disqualified. But all this time it's giving Kalisto a chance to recuperate in this match. And Kalisto is a bit of trouble, but no, catches him. Salida del Sol. One, two, two three. Kalisto wins. And he goes to the Royal Rumble. But thanks in part to Dorado Metallic. Well, what? no. It was Leo Rush's fault for getting distracted by it. Well, Rush went up top to hit the final hour. And they were spinning those noisemakers. And Rush went off the top. Did get distracted by him. No, there's no doubt about that. But Dorado should not get involved. As there are hills... We'll be banging on about this. The Undisputed do that on NXT and you moan. Yeah, on 205 Live, you're, you're quite happy, Dan. You no. Know? The Undisputed era, they get involved. They were just spinning their noisemakers as they have done with the match. They've, they've always got them in their hands. You know, Leo Rush should have just hit his finish up, pinned him and then gloated in the face. But no, he chose to get distracted, take time away, give Kaliso time to recover in the match. It was just fully justified. And, and how can you 
how can you blame Dorado for wanting to slap Leo Rush? I mean, I wish I could go into the telly and slap Leo Rush every time he's on the fucking screen. Well, I think Leo Rush impressed me in that match, and I think so did Kalista. I thought it was going to be a good one, and it actually was. I think the pace was good to start off with. The back and forth was okay. I didn't really like the ending to it. Looks like Rush got screwed even though he's the heel, but if that's the way they want to go, it's fine. We know Kalisto will be facing Buddy Murphy, but who will be the other two? We'll find who will be the third guy later tonight. Well, Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher are backstage talking strategy when an interview rolls up. And Buddy Murphy watching... And, oh, you said that, me. Yeah. Gulak says there are many words he'd describe himself with. Submission specialist, leader, and above all... Well, last week only proved that Akira Tozawa and Brian Kendrick are low-rent brawlers, and he's by no means an underdog. Tonight is a wrestling match with rules, which puts Tozawa at an utter disadvantage... And when he step up, he will tap out. We cut to training for the match and take a break for a house ad. Drake Maverick talks about how a new year means new opportunities and he has no intention of resting on his laurels. And he's been scouring the globe and he's been scouring the globe for new talent. That means we can expect new faces and fierce competition and two oh five live will remain the premier destination for the best cruiserweight wrestling in the world. And our main event is Akira Tazawa versus the winner will be the third man in the Cruiserweight Championship match at the Royal Rumble. So we go Gulak and Tazawa. We've seen these two men brawling in a street fight last couple of weeks ago. But who are you going to go for in this one, Dan? Well, the match has rules and it has, you know, stipulations. So I'm going to go with Drew Tazawa. No, I'm going to go with Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak, yeah, well, I've got to disagree with you, as always, and I think Tazawa's in a little bit of a role at the moment, and I think tonight he could possibly get the job done here as he gets taken down by Gulak and pinned. It's over. Side headlock by Gulak, and he's showing his technical skills, but Tazawa can back it up in the ring as well. There's no doubt about that. He's been a bit quiet recently, but now come back to the forefront. I think it's quite deserved. Has Tazawa got a shot in the cruiserweight scene there? I think he has, yeah. He's a very exciting wrestler, a good prospect, and, you know, we was thoroughly impressed with him in the Cruiserweight Championship, uh, in the Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, my God, that was lovely there from Gulak, catching Tazawa with the leapfrog, going for the cover, but managing to move before he even get pinned. Now a face-off between each man. A lot of pride here, of course, with Tazawa, former Cruiserweight Champion, saying that Gulak has never been... He'd be looking for his opportunity at the Rumble. He came so close back at SummerSlam against Cedric Alexander. And Tazawa, of course, was champion nearly, you know, a year and a half ago now. Indeed, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of been a, an overlooked, forgotten man as well. Mm-hmm. Bit of a stalemate in ring. Now they've gone to the outside. Tazawa got hold of Gulak, but Gulak tried to make his way in. Held on to that bottom rope. Managed to push Tazawa into barricade. Tazawa's in a lot of trouble now. We'll, um... Gulak's partner or Tazawa's partner come out to and a bet? Well, I think not. I think Drake Maverick, uh, say what you will about management of the Authors of Pain. He's not put his foot wrong yet on 205 Live uh, and he's, he's gave people the opportunity to, to go to the Royal Rumble and he's probably said to Kendrick and Haha that, you know, you don't want to get involved. You want to straight up find out who is going to be the man, best competition in. And I think that Gulak and Tazawa, so like we talked about earlier, it's prideful that either man, you know, doesn't want help to get the job done. 
Maybe Gulak's tune will change later on in the match when he's in a little bit of trouble against Tazawa. But, I mean, we shall see about that at the moment. Doesn't seem to need any help as he's just stomping down on Akira, now working a submission. So, without being too biased, who would you, who would your ideal 205 Live opponents be for Buddy Murphy? And I mean, not, you know, to kind of give Buddy Murphy an easy match. I mean, who would your other top three guys in the brand be? I, I want Murphy on SmackDown. I want to see Buddy Murphy versus Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. <laughs> I honestly do. That's what I want to see him do. I want to see him against Seth Rollins. I want to see him against all the so-called best. And see how, you know, because I think Buddy Murphy is definitely up there. I want to see him go to NXT and have a match with Ricochet. I want to see him go against Pete Dunne. I think Murphy is on that level now of superstar. And I don't think if anybody on 205 Live can match up to that as now, anything I've seen. Now, don't get me wrong, Alexander and Mustafa Ali, great competitors, but I think their time is gone. And I think if you look at where, where we are, you know, Kalisto's a guy and Leo Rush, yeah, they're good, but... I don't think they're on Buddy Murphy's level. I think <laughs> I think Drake Maverick he said he's scouting for other talent. There's going to have to be new ones, you know, to come in and try and get that crew to title off. Because at the moment, Buddy Murphy is uh, for me just in no no trouble whatsoever. What about you, Dan? Who do you see next in line, or do you agree with me? You didn't even give me a fucking answer to the fucking question I asked you. Yes, I did. I said there's no one. Buddy Murphy's awesome. <laughs> and Gulak who was in control Tazawa just hurricanrolled him on the outside breaking a submission goes running but Gulak back in with clothesline dodged by Tazawa spinning kick to the face going for the cover on Gulak no oh, uh, Gulak managing to kick out uh, well I'd like to see Randy Orton slim down to 205 pounds and just beat the fucking it- shit and piss out of Buddy Murphy. To be fair, Dan, if he, if he was to do that, he would have to stop taking steroids, wouldn't he? So, I mean, that would be a problem with him, with Randy Orton, so, you know. Yes, because know. he takes steroids in the WWE and their wellness policy and how strict they are with it, yeah, because he can get away with things like that. I'm glad you can admit it, because he can get away with other behaviour, like, you know, put down playing on women or, you know, mocking people with either disability or just being a, a racist as Randy Orton is, a horrible, terrible person. But you can forgive him just because of, you know, of, it's Randy Orton, it's fine. I think it's disgusting. And I hate Randy Orton. And if he ever was in the ring with Buddy Murphy, Buddy Murphy would beat Randy Orton. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Let's concentrate on this match and not Murphy versus Orton. Gulak's on the eighth versus Azara. Both men going back and forth. To, Gulak puts his head in like gets caught with a kick. What's Azara going to do? <laughs> Leg drop off the top rope across the back of the head of Gulak but he can't capitalise on it and Gulak's in a prone position but I think Akira Tozawa's in just as bad a state as him. Well a huge scent on off the top there nearly breaking Gulak in half but he's trying to catch his breath back. He's not gone for a pinfall and now shots to the face and the midsection going for the shining wizard tip. Oh catching powers up Tozawa and just drops him into the corner. Now Gulak looking for the dragon sleeper if the Gulak gets locked, Tazawa's in all sorts of trouble, but using the turnbuckle. Spin him over to a cover. Oh, but Gulak managing to kick out. Ah, Shining Wizard attempt. Gulak blocked it. Oh. And turns Tazawa inside out of a clothesline, goes for a cover. But somehow Tazawa gets a shoulder up at two. Two. I would rather see Enzo Amore as champion over Buddy Murphy. You don't mean that. 
You don't mean that. You enjoy Buddy Murphy matches. Tazawa boot up to Gulak in the corner. Comes to time. Sunset flip him. But Gulak rolls through into the powerbomb. Goes for the cover. But no, Tazawa managing to kick out. Ah. And Gulak, he's shocked by that. He thought he had Tazawa. Now Gulak with a boot and a shot to Tazawa's face. Oh, but Tazawa managing to fight back. Now Gulak and Tazawa go mano in mano in the middle of the ring. We're trading forearms, and I'm not sure the favourite here. Maybe Tazawa, who is getting the better of it at the moment. Bounce off the ropes, delivers a thunderous forearm. Gulak's <laughs> legs are shaking. And he's in serious trouble. Tazawa, third time lucky. No, Gulak gets the boot up. <laughs> but Tazawa gets his boot up in response. Gulak goes for the clothesline. Tazawa dodged it this time. And oh my God. And Tazawa's got Gulak. Oh, my God, he's got it, but Gulak reversing, and somehow's got the leg, and that is brilliant by Drew. As he's spinning Tazawa round. Oh, shoulder was down for a second, but Tazawa managing to turn his round, looking for the bottom rope, and Gulak just putting extra pressure on it now, but no. Tazawa just manages to get to the bottom rope to break it up. And a huge right hand to the face, and again... But Tazawa won't be stopped. Drop toe hold to Gulak in the second turnbuckle. But Gulak again looks like clothesline. Gets caught. Oh, belly to back suplex. Gulak is in the splash zone. Can Tazawa get up top and hit it with his injured leg? Well, we're going to see the Tokyo Tower drop. Oh, no. Gets caught by Gulak, who locks in the goo lock. Oh, my God. Now he's got, he's got it all locked in. There's no way Tazawa... He's getting out of this. He's going to pass out a tap out. And Dan's going to get an extra bonus point for putting a win. And Gulak's got it in. Tazawa's fading. But turn it around. And both men ended on the outside. That's how Tazawa got out of it. I think Tazawa hit head first off that wafer thin mat. Well, it's. <laughs> and the oxygen that has left his body since Gulak took over as well. And Gulak breaking the count very intelligently. Knife edge chop on the out. Oh, looks to send him in a ring post, but Tazawa blocks it. Now responds with forearms shots. Gulak low stopping Tazawa, throws him in. Oh, but Tazawa stops Gulak from getting back in the ring. Delivers a big boot, looking to go flying. Suicide dive there, headbutt straight to the chest of Gulak. Now throwing Gulak there. Tazawa looking to go up top. Is the leg going to hold out? Can he successfully hit it this time? No, Gulak up, crutching Tazawa. And that bad leg right on the ring post. And Gulak the best Drew in the WWE by far. Gulak just a slap to Tazawa's face. And Gulak doesn't go up high often. He doesn't like flying. No fly zones used to be his thing. But now he's going to try and superplex Tazawa. No, he's a little out of practice going off the second rope. Trying to power up to Zawa. The Drew eventually falls back down to the mat. But goes up for a second attempt, this time from the top. Oh, my. And Gulak must be at least seven foot in the air. At least nine foot up. And he can't suplex to Zawa. And now he's got the shakes. Uh-oh, this is not good for Gulak. And the headbutt sends him all the way down. Can Tazawa finally end it? And punch his ticket to the Royal Rumble. 
hits the centon. One, One, two, three. And Tozawa books his place at the Royal Rumble alongside Kalisto and Buddy Murphy. But I think that was, again, another good match. Very different to the one we saw at the start of it. More slow, methodical, kind of uh, more, you know, submission-based. But I think very, very good. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm impressed with the match. Um, both guys doing well. You know, you see the submission, map-based stuff, like those mainly focusing on. And, you know, I did actually quite enjoy the ending as well, you know, where Gulak kind of come unstuck. He thought, you know, why not go off top, give it a risk, and yeah. it ended up backfiring on him, and I don't think he's going to be doing that again in a hurry. Yeah, you showed it, like you said, the winner had a huge opportunity, and that's why Gulak risked it all. But Tazawa did get the job goal recently, and uh, books, like I say, go into the Royal Rumble, the Cruiserweight title match. We'll find out who the fourth man will be next week on 205 Live, which we're going to watch right now. Episode 111, and it's the 9th of January, 2019. The show opens with Drake Maverick doing his usual intro, setting the stage and hyping tonight's show up. And then we get the intro video. Tony Nice gets a picture-in-picture promo talking about how he can't stand Noam Dar. Nice, I like you, but don't go too far. And how he's going to beat him because he's a better man and a better athlete. I can't watch this. It's Noam Dar versus Tony Nice. Well, Nice in control initially. In, <coughs> nice in control initially, using his strength in the feeling out. But Dar out wrestles him at every turn. So Tony decides to grapple, and he can hang, but not take over for long. So he decks Noam and flexes off the ropes. Dar trips him into a deathlock and kicks the shin before going back to work on the arm, jockeying for position. Nice landing hard shots, but Noam trips him up again, and he smashes into the turnbuckle. Well, whip reverse, continue to trip the Premier Athlete up and making a fool of him, swinging backslide. Nope, knee slides to the floor, Dar out after him, back in, where Tony catches him with a hard knee and fires off a few more for good measure. Off the ropes, huge forearm for two. Two. Following up with uh, body scissors until Dar escapes. Shaking life back into his right arm, kick combo from Nice gets two. Two. And he continues to press the attack, targeting the ribs and the waist. Hard whip into a lariat. Two more, and Tony moves on to a standing neck crank. Dar evades, jockeying for position in the corner, and he kicks Nice's leg out of his leg. Palm thrust, charging elbow into Northern Light Suplex for two. Two. Catch a lariat, guillotine choke applied, but Tony's able to hoss him into the ropes to break. Huge hard hand, running neck slap over the top rope into a triangle moonsault, but not enough. Boot up on the charge, rolling Chattel from Nice, clips him top. Firearms carry, clips him top. Dar slips out, jockeying for position, up kicks from Noam, kick Tony clean out. Tony clean out. Hard elbow, Dar gets a guillotine again and denies access to the ropes. Nice for a Northern Knights to counter, still no. Again, kicking Nice's leg out from under him, hammering forearms, referee Charles Robinson, pulling him off. Dirty bastard Charles Robinson. Nice slides low, pump handle, Mishinoku driver, slow to capitalise and Tony drags him over. Dar wakes up and snaps into action. And Noam Dar peace. Yes he did, he beat the Premier Athlete on 205 Live. Where you asked me last week, Dan, who could be challenging Noam Dar, Buddy Murphy, Cruiserweight Championship, WrestleMania, dream match. There you have it. Brian Kendrick is backstage to read us a letter from Akira Tozawa. It's about how Tozawa took an opportunity to come in Japan ahead of the Royal Rumble and he'll fight for everyone who believes in him and he beat Buddy Murphy. 
Vince Park Kendrick says he still owes Akira for messing with him for so long, so he's going to do what he can do to make sure he wins the title. Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher are backstage talking with Drake Maverick. They've created lists of top cruiserweights for him to hire. And Drake says he'll definitely read them and shakes their hands. Gulak tells him specifically to check out Wheeler, Y-U-T-A, Utah, before leaving. He's very good, folks. Check him out on YouTube if you aren't familiar. And, of course, Maverick throws the binders away the second they're gone. Well, Mike and Maria Canellas roll up to complain about him being on the road but not used, and Maverick begs off. Maria says she knows you don't get anywhere in this business without a fight and maybe haven't picked the right fight. She says she hopes these newcomers are willing to fight for opportunities as much as she is, and I think Maria and Mike Canellas deserve an opportunity on 205 Live. Well, Leo Rush gets a hand cam promo Blaming Lucha House Party for keeping him out of the Royal Rumble. And he's not going to let that stand. So LHP are going to feel the rush. And our main event is Cedric Alexander versus Adelio Tommy. Who will be the fourth man in the Cruiserweight title match at Royal Rumble. Dan, I've asked you the previous two occasions, or twice before. So will it be Hideo Tommy or Cedric Alexander? I've seen I've asked you twice before, Dan. Who are you going for in this match? I'm going to go for Akira Tozawa. <laughs> No, I'm going to go for Hideo Itami. What? No. Why? I think with Davari in his corner, and Hideo's not been given many opportunities, and I think it's his, his time. I think he's given too many opportunities, former NXT, you know, giving opportunities in NXT and the Cruiserweight Championship. Alexander's my man. Don't forget, we had the age of Alexander this year with the Cruiserweight Championship, and he's still on top of staff, right? He's gone to SmackDown, and Alexander is quite happy on 205 Live. And he took, he's been taking Murphy to the limit. He's not obviously on Murphy's level. We we you know we both know that. But I, I think he's he's got more than uh, Itami has in this one. Itami three just hasn't changed enough. He's still quite bland. Still the same trunks as when he first debuted. Still don't know a lot about the character. And look, there there's a man. There's a champion, Buddy Murphy, backstage looking on. Look how fucking ripped he is, Dan. Well, James, it's probably so ripped because he hasn't been having matches. He's just been standing backstage holding his title, so he's got more time to work out, as opposed to all these other wrestlers actually get ring time. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did he defend his Cruiserweight Championship at the t- uh, TLC? Was he at TLC? That yes. was last year, James. No, he defended his championship. Is he defending his title at the Royal Rumble? Yes, James. Yes. Did he defend his title Survivor Series? He's defending it as, ma- as many um, times as fucking Brock Lesnar does. No. Buddy Murphy is... Brock Lesnar is a more credible champion than Buddy Murphy. Fact. How can you work that out when Buddy Murphy's defending the Cruiserweight Championship so every month since winning you. the title and yet Brock Lesnar's defended maybe three I've or four times? You. I've just told you why. Dan, Dan has lost it. You lost it with your facts there. Buddy Murphy's defended the title since October when he won it at Super Showdown every month as well. Dan Murphy has been on 205 Live because Dan has been moaning that we see too many Buddy Murphy matches, yet the guy doesn't appear as much as Brock Lesnar. I forget how much of a huge fan Dan is of Brock Lesnar and people That's like the that. thing, I can't stand Brock Lesnar, <laughs> but I can stand him more than I can stand that fucking jobby twat. And you can see why now Dan's uh, skewed on talent when it comes to people like Matt Riddle or it comes to Adam Cole or it comes to people like The Miz. Dan just doesn't see it. He just doesn't think they're talented at all, even though the rest of the world... He's the guy that didn't like AJ Styles when he first came out, so, you know, that's no, what he did. I never fucking once said that. I can confirm it. He said it. He was like, I don't get him. He's, he's, not, he's the man that thought Ric Flair was overrated. Honestly, it's terrible. Oh, my God. But a match has started, Dan, yes. And it's been a great matchup between these two men. But Alexander, 
showing his speed and aggression. But we know what Atami brings into this. So what does Atami have to do if he wants to win this one then? Pin Cedric Alexander for free. <laughs> no, it is incredibly difficult to beat Cedric Alexander. and But Atami, I think he's got the tenacity. He has been around for a long time. He is the innovator of the GTS, even though he's not allowed to use it anymore. He can keep busting people's fucking noses with it, like he did with uh, Brian Kendrick last year. So... Yeah, I'm not saying Atami's dangerous. He's just really never caught a break. And, you know, I mean, he's not really kind of... I don't know, just looking at him, I don't know, superstar feel to him, where Cedric's definitely definitely got that about him as he goes to find Atami on the outside. I just don't think Atami's been given the opportunity. Oh, now Atami's got hold of Alexander. And a huge close on Ed Dwarry on the outside. You're right, Dwarry's definitely playing his part. I think Atami's lost to Alexander before for the Cruiserweight Championship. I'm sure that happened last year with Atami coming across. Whoever was the champion at the time. Atami now coming down with a foot stomp. Didn't happen. The referee didn't see it. Oh my God. Now Alexander into barricade. And Atami, he knows he has to go above and beyond the call of duty to beat Cedric Alexander. And that is what he's going to do. But like you said, he's also got either pin... Or submit him. So he's got to do that inside the ring. Can't do it on the outside. Throws him in. Now he goes for the cover. But Cedric up at one. One. Well, he can win it on the outside if he leaves Cedric Alexander on the outside for 10 seconds. Oh, yes. You can can also win it with count out. Or if... Disqualification. Referee was to see Davari getting involved like he did previously, he would then have no call but to go to the bell and have to ring it and finish the match. Okay. Well, what if (laughs) Davari... Hit Hideo Itami. It would be a disqualification if the referee saw it. And who would win? Uh, and then Itami would win. Exactly. So Davari could do that as well. Why doesn't Davari just come in now and hit Itami? Now, I think what we found with Itami is he's not that exciting to watch, really, is he? We've obviously... Our interest is kind of somewhere else during this match. And it's like, it is, yeah. He's, it's... he's not kind of like, oh, yeah, it's Itami, you know? It's like... All right. And he's been around for fucking, what, four or five years now as well? Yeah, so. he spent a bit of time out injured, his Konakamura, and yeah. <laughs> who do you think's regretting that more? Yeah, <laughs> did you think? Well, yeah, he could be fighting Russo for the United States title, you know? And Cedric gets caught with a kick by Atami coming in, and Cedric might be out. But is, like, you know, the case with Cedric Alexander and Hideo Atami... Does it depend on the opponent that they're against in the kind of calibre of... I think it's the case, and I think the case, like you said, with the storytelling of 205 Live and where the crowds are, it's difficult to kind of get them involved. I would have loved to see Cedric used in NXT. I think there's, there's a, definitely a chance for him to kind of catch that scene. I think he might have been a bit upset with Mustafa Ali getting his opportunity on SmackDown. I think Alexander could have maybe well, had that role. you know, would you say... I don't want to kind of... But would you say he's... A full version of Apollo Crews. No, I think so. I mean, but again, what are they doing with him? You know, I mean, there's a lot of talented guys on the roster just not being used, and maybe I think they need a little bit more personality. Maybe the cruiserweights do than anybody else, but we've seen what happened with personalities with the cruiserweights before. So Tazawa has got down Rich Swan <laughs> in a side headlock. <laughs> remember when we got them two wrong? Whatever happened to Rich Swan, eh? He is currently exhibition yeah, champion yeah. on Impact. So, okay, the question... Involved in a huge storyline with Ohio versus everyone. You watch Impact, right? You watch, um, I don't. 
I watched 205 Live. Um, if if you would, would you rather be Cedric in time, or would you rather be Rich Swan at this moment in time? Um, at this moment in time, I think Rich Swan is kind of being made out of a, as a more of a bigger deal. Because whereas Cedric Alexander is confined to 205 Live, I think Rich Swan has got the whole Impact roster. I know it's not as good, and uh, on 205 Live, their Matt cams, uh, their Matt mics aren't turned up as loud, so you mm. can't hear the fucking really loud, annoying fud that they do. But I think Rich Swan is involved in bigger storylines over there, and it's. I don't know, he's carrying a bit better gold as well. Yeah, I think this is the thing, and you know, if he does impress, maybe in a couple of years' time, once people forgot why he got fired for. Or why he left, uh, he'd come back, you know, and have an impact in that way. Or you know, there's other, of course, promotions around as well. But Cedric has not had any offense really in this match. Every time he tried to build up, gets blocked off by Atami. But as I said, that he hit an uppercut. Upper what? But does having uh, Davari there is it going to aid? Oh my God! We, well, it was set up before Davari aided. Itami when the referee wasn't looking on Cedric, but Cedric went for a hands fling there, and Itami would drop it right to the face. And Cedric in the corner, and what's Itami going to do? Oh, running knee. Fisherman suplex. But didn't go, well, he could have gone for the cover from the suplex, but instead went for the normal pinfall. I think that extra second there made Alexander help, well, helped Alexander manage to kick out. Ah. Indeed, yeah, I think, you know, it's a slight hesitation from Itami. It's going to uh, kind of hinder him. Well, he doesn't seem 100%. I don't think I've ever seen Itami fully, 100%, fully bringing it. But now he's got Cedric looking for a huge statement to win this match, and it would be a massive win for him. But Alexander comes charging in. Itami gets the foot up, though. Tornado DDT attempt. And hangs him up on that top rope. And Cedric now spinning around. Natami up top. Alexander doesn't know where he is. Natami comes off the top, goes for a cover. Two. Oh. Ooh. Well, after that huge clothesline, Alexander still managing to kick out. Ah. You see the redness of the chest of Natami, and you can see Davari as well, upset about the toughness of Cedric. That's what Natami needs to do to put Alexander away. Well, I don't think submission's going to work. I think he's going to have to give his best shot. I mean, he shouldn't be taking his time. Should be nice and quick. The longer he takes, the more Cedric can get back into this and the fans slowly get behind him as well. But, oh, gets stopped by a forearm. And now responds. Both men with huge forearms rocking each other. Tommy responding with a couple of solid kicks to the chest. Oh, Cedric responds though after the third kick. A combination of his own. And now Cedric going to go springboard. No, Itami grabbed the trunks. Picks up Cedric on the shoulder, but Cedric managing to roll out of it. Handspring kick. Could this be it for Alexander? One, two. Oh, no, Itami managing to kick out. Oh. Well, both men struggling to get to their feet. I don't know which way he's going to go yet. But we haven't seen him hit their big move yet. Cedric might be going for that lumbar check. But Tommy knows this, holding on to that top rope. He will not let go. Well, Cedric's going to do all he can to try and pull Itami off. And now he's going to look for it again, but no, Itami holding on. He's definitely scouted this. Referee getting involved in Davari, pulling Itami out. And out of harm's way. 
But will that stop Cedric? Well, no, Cedric looks to go flying over the top of the referee, takes out both Itami and Davari. Oh, Cedric now throws Itami in, but Davari, distraction. Now he spring balls in. Oh, my God. And Itami with a huge palm strike, knocking Cedric Alexander down onto the edge of the ring apron. And Alexander is in a bit of trouble, and Itami's got something planned. He's got a bad look in his eye, slaps Cedric around the face. And now, oh no, he's not going to try to suplex him. Oh! Jesus Christ, from the edge of the ring apron down to the wafer thin mats below. And Alexander must be in all sorts of pain there. Well, Atami is taking <laughs> a lot of punishment, but like I said, Alexander got the blunt brunt of that. Atami got it on his ass, but Alexander <laughs> got it on his back. And Atami is in. And referee's counting Cedric. And the referee up to nine, but no, Cedric just back in. And he's a fighting man. He doesn't want to be counted out. Oh, my God. <clears throat> a beat in the ten count at nine and a half. Where have I seen that before? Well, basement drop kick, but Cedric rolling up Atami. No, Atami managed to kick out. Ah. And a big back fist sending Cedric back in that corner. Atami comes running in. Huge Basement drop kick. Well, another one for his troubles, bringing him into the centre of the ring. He's going to spin him round into that boot. Alexander may be knocked out. Atami trying to turn him round. But Alexander's dead weight. One, two, three. And Atami advances to the fatal four-way. Well, the four men now have been confirmed, but Davari's look of excitement has just, I mean, confirmed, yeah, Tommy got the job done here. He is beating Cedric Alexander, the former Cruiserweight champ. So, who are the four men now? We know it's going to be your Cruiserweight champion, Buddy Murphy, Dan, but who are the three? The future Cruiserweight champion, Akira Tozawa, or future Cruiserweight champion, Kalisto, or future Cruiserweight champion, Hideo Itami. And what did you think of the match? I thought it was good. I... Again, you know, we saw the face beating the nine count just last week. Seeing it twice in a couple of weeks is boring. Aside from that, though, the match, it was good. It was entertaining. It was a completely different beat from the other qualifier matches as well, which is, you know, it's something different. So, yeah, you know, it was... I was, I was happy with it. Yeah, it was good. Well, we've got a bit of news. It looks like 205 Live is moving back from its original Tuesday spot from next week, airing live immediately following SmackDown on the WWE Network. Ever since Mixed 2 started a few months ago, 205 Live moved to a tape show, recorded prior to SmackDown and then airing the next day. When Mixed Match Challenge ended in December, WWE kept the same schedule with a three-hour block of 205 Live, NXT and NXT UK proving to be a popular combo on Wednesday nights. But that's all about to change next week. But that's all about to change again next week with 205 Live going back to its live 10pm slot on the WWE Network according to the latest schedule available. A replay of the episode will air on Wednesday at 7pm on the WWE Network followed by a new episode of NXT and for this week a replay of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Alright, so we move on to our last episode of 205 Live, and that is 
January 15th, 2019, episode 112. Two. Leo Rush comes down and cuts the promo, welcome, welcoming us to Leo5 Live and saying that he didn't come here to make friends or party, he came here to win. And if you couldn't tell, all you need to do is look at your new Intercontinental Champion, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> he was supposed to compete at the Royal Rumble, but Lince Dorado took that away from him. So now he's going to feel the rush. Well, Lucha House Party come down and Leo protest. Lince brings his entourage, asking referee Jason Ayers to throw them out. Kalisto and Grand Metallic leave, and Leo beats Lince down a moment for Ayers warns him off and makes sure Dorado is ready to fight. And Leo rush over Lince Dorado by pinfall with the final hour. Yeah, I mean, it was a great back-and-forth match, but Leo Rush getting a little bit of retribution for what happened to him uh, a couple of weeks ago on 205 Live. Post-match, Leo attacks Lince some more in the, ent- in the entranceway until Kalisto and Metallic make the save. Dorado clutches his knee in agony as Rush leaves through the crowd. Moam Dar is interviewed backstage and says Tony Nese's problem is that he for everyone. But last week, and Nese interrupts and says the only thing he has proved is how lucky he is. Dar points out that Tony lost and Nice shrugs it off, saying 99 out of 100 times he's got him beat. Noam again points out he lost, to which Tony says they're one all and should fight again. Dar seemingly approves before again pointing out that Nice lost. Well, Drake Maverick is backstage telling referee Rod Zapter to go check on Lance Dar- <laughs> Drake Maverick is backstage telling referee Rod Zapter to go check on Lince Dorado when TJ Perkins rolls up. Drake tells him the uh, tells him the opportunity against Buddy Murphy has been taken by a new debut, but he likes that TJ is here for a new opportunity and showing him this is good. And Perkins walks off as Maverick performs in that he let him know if any opportunities open up. Kalisto gets a promo talking about how seriously he takes Lucha Libre and how determined he is to win the Cruiserweight Championship back. Brian Kendrick and Akira Tozawa get a promo where Kendrick says he's teaching Tozawa every devious attack he can think of so he can break his opponent's will to compete. Akira turns the high beam smile on and says what he said. Aria Davari is with Hideo Itami and talks about how... Aria Davari is with Hideo Itami and talks about how Itami is hungry for gold and a threat to your physical well-being. He warns us that he'll take his throne at the Royal Rumble and Hideo Tami just smirks. No, Dan, he's not smirking. He's just happy because he thinks he can win a Cruiserweight Championship at the Royal Rumble. Commentary informs us that all three challengers will face in a freeway next week. And Buddy Murphy comes out and gets on the mic. He tells the crowd to shut their mouths, including Dan, and introduces himself as the greatest Cruiserweight of all time and talks about defending his championship at the Royal Rumble. He says what he wants and does what he wants, and we're going to listen. And tonight, he's got an open challenge for anyone who makes the weight limit. And his opponent is... Humberto Ultimo Ninja Carrillo. (laughs) (laughs) His opponent, none other than Humberto Ultimo Ninja Carrillo. So Murphy now, see, we're going to get a Buddy Murphy match. You said he don't wrestle a lot, but we're going to see Buddy Murphy now on 205 Live catch-up. It's a pleasure to see him going against a young Humberto, but look at Murphy there. Just out-wrestling many early going. It is beautiful by Murphy. Well, sorry, I fell asleep then. 
know, Murphy just looking on, Alberto and saying, come on, kid, make an impact. But what a huge impact this could be for Carrillo. We've seen him in NXT before. But if he could get an upset victory over Buddy Murphy, much like the one two three kid did about twenty five years ago now, twenty six years ago, it'd be a huge statement said, but Murphy might have his attention elsewhere. He's got three men who can take the Cruiserweight Championship championship off him next week at the Royal Rumble. Well, James, it's funny that you you know, loosely compare your man, Buddy Murphy, to Razor Ramon, and there's another comparison to them. Neither of them have won a heavyweight championship. So, yeah, nailed it. Yep, and Buddy Murphy's the Cruiserweight champion on 205 Live, yep. And he's got Humberto, but Humberto moves out the arm ringer. Buddy Murphy now managing to flip up, turns the arm around, and now Murphy's still got the arm. Just teaching Carrillo at the moment how to work, but nice hands thing out of it. Teaching Carrillo how to work. Carrillo gets pushed off, though, avoids... The sweep, and now grabs the head of Murphy. Carrillo's got a little bit of power there, keeping Murphy down. Now Murphy throws Humberto into the ropes. Big shoulder block. Well, both men struggling to get to their feet. I don't know which way it's going to go yet. But we haven't seen him hit their big move yet. Cedric might be going for that lumbar check. But Tommy knows this, holding on to that top rope. He will not let go. Well, Cedric's doing all he can to try and pull Itami off. And now he's going to look for it again, but no, Atami holding on. He's definitely scouted this. Referee getting involved in Davari, pulling Atami out. And out of harm's way. But will that stop Cedric? Well, now Cedric looks to go flying over the top of the referee. Takes out both Itami and Davari. Oh, Cedric now throws Atami in, but Davari, distraction. Now he spring balls in. Oh, my God. And a Tommy with a huge palm strike, knocking Cedric Alexander down onto the edge of the ring apron. And Alexander is in a bit of trouble, and a Tommy's got something planned. He's got a bad look in his eyes, slaps Cedric around the face. And now, oh no, he's not going to try to suplex him. Jesus Christ, from the edge of the ring apron down to the wafer thin mats below. And Alexander must be in all sorts of pain there. Well, Atami is taking <laughs> a lot of punishment, but like I said, Alexander got the blunt brunt of that. Atami got it on his ass, but Alexander <laughs> got it on his back. And Atami is in, and referee's counting Cedric. And the referee up to nine, but no, Cedric just back in. And he's a fighting man. He doesn't want to be counted out. Oh, my God. <clears throat> a beat in the 10 count at 9.5. Where have I seen that before? Well, basement drop kick, but Cedric rolling up Atami. No, Atami managed to kick out. Ah. And a big back fist sending Cedric back in that corner. Atami comes running in. Huge basement drop kick. Well, another one for his troubles, bringing him into the centre of the ring. He's going to spin him round into that boot. Alexander may be knocked out. Atami trying to turn him round. But Alexander's dead weight. One, two, three. And Atami advances to the fatal four-way. Well, the four men now have been confirmed. But Davari's look of excitement has just... I've been confirmed. Yeah, Atami got the job done here. He is beating Cedric Alexander, the former Cruiserweight champ. 
So, who are the four men now? We know it's going to be your Cruiserweight Champion, Buddy Murphy, Dan, but who are the three? The future Cruiserweight Champion, Akira Tozawa, or future Cruiserweight Champion, Kalisto, or future Cruiserweight Champion, Hideo Itami. And what did you think of the match? I thought it was good. Again, you know, we saw the face beating the nine count just last week. Seeing it twice... In a couple of weeks, is boring. Aside from that, though, the match, it was good. It was entertaining. It was a completely different beat from the other qualifier matches as well, which is, you know, it's something different. So, yeah, you know, it was, I, was, I was happy with it. Yeah, it was good. Well, we've got a bit of news. It looks like 205 Live is moving back from its original Tuesday spot from next week, airing live immediately following SmackDown on the WWE Network. Ever since Mixed Match Two started a few months ago, 205 Live moved to a tape show, recorded prior to SmackDown and then airing the next day. When Mixed Match Challenge ended in December, WWE kept the same schedule with a three-hour block of 205 Live, NXT and NXT UK proving to be a popular combo on Wednesday nights. But that's all about to change next week. But that's all about to change again next week with 205 Live going back to its live 10pm slot on the WWE Network according to the latest schedule available. A replay of the episode will air on Wednesday at 7pm on the WWE Network followed by a new episode of NXT and for this week a replay of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Alright so we move on to our last episode of 205 Live and that is... January 15th, 2019, episode 112. Two. Leo Rush comes down and cuts the promo, welcome, welcoming us to Leo 5 Live and saying that he didn't come here to make friends or party, he came here to win. And if you couldn't tell, all you need to do is look at your new Intercontinental Champion, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> he was supposed to compete at the Royal Rumble, but. Linsterado! took that away from him so now he's going to feel the rush well Lucha House Party come down and Leo protest Lindsay brings his entourage asking referee Jason Ayers to throw them out Kalisto and Grand Metallic leave and Leo beats Lindsay down a moment for Ayers warns him off and makes sure Dorado is ready to fight and Leo rush over Lince Dorado by pinfall with the final hour yeah I mean it was a great back and forth match but Leo rush getting a little bit of retribution for what happened to him uh, a couple of weeks ago on 205 Live. Post-match, Leo attacks Lince some more in the, ent- in the entrance way until Kalisto and Metallic make the save. Dorado clutches his knee in agony as Rush leaves through the crowd. Noam Dar is interviewed backstage and says Tony Nese's problem is that he for everyone. But last week, and Nice interrupts and says the only thing he has proved is how lucky he is. Dar points out that Tony lost and Nice shrugs it off, saying 99 out of 100 times he's got him beat. Noam again points out he lost, to which Tony says they're one all and should fight again. Dar seemingly approves before again pointing out that Nice lost. Well, Jake Maverick is backstage telling referee Rod Zapter to go check on Lance Dar... <laughs> Uh, Drake Maverick is backstage telling referee Rod Zapter to go check on Lince Dorado when TJ Perkins rolls up. Drake tells him the opp- uh, tells him the opportunity against Buddy Murphy has been taken by a new debut, but he likes that TJ is here for a no- new opportunity and showing him this is good. 
And Perkins walks off as Maverick informs him that he let him know if any opportunities open up. Kalisto gets a promo talking about how seriously he takes Lucha Libre and how determined he is to win the Cruiserweight Championship back. Brian Kendrick and Akira Tozawa get a promo where Kendrick says he's teaching Tozawa every devious attack he can think of so he can break his opponent's will to compete. Akira turns the high beam smile on and says what he said. Aria Davari is with Hideo Itami and talks how... Aria Davari is with Hideo Itami and talks about how Itami is hungry for gold and a threat to your physical well-being. He warns us that he'll take his throne at the Royal Rumble, and Hideo Tami just smirks. No, Dan, he's not smirking. He's just happy, because he thinks he can win a Cruiserweight Championship at the Royal Rumble. Commentary informs us that all three challengers will face in a freeway next week. And Buddy Murphy comes out and gets on the mic. He tells the crowd to shut their mouths, including Dan, and introduces himself as the greatest Cruiserweight of all time, and talks about his Venice Championship at the Royal Rumble. He says what he wants and does what he wants. And we're going to listen. And tonight he's got an open challenge for anyone who makes the weight limit. And his opponent is... Humberto Ultimo Ninja Carrillo. <laughs> <laughs> his opponent, none other than Humberto Ultimo Ninja Carrillo. So Murphy now, see, we're going to get a Buddy Murphy match. He said he don't wrestle a lot, but we're going to see Buddy Murphy now on 205 Live catch-up. It's a pleasure to see him going against young Humberto, but look at Murphy there. Just out-wrestling when he's early going. It is beautiful by Murphy. Well, sorry, I fell asleep then. Yeah, Murphy just looking on Humberto and saying, come on, kid, make an impact. But what a huge impact this could be for Carrillo. We've seen him in NXT before, but if he could get an upset victory over Buddy Murphy, much like the one 2 3 kid did about 25 years ago now, 26 years ago, it'd be a huge statement said, but Murphy might have his attention elsewhere. He's got three men who can take the Cruiserweight Championship, Championship off him next week at the Royal Rumble. Well, James, it's funny that you, you know, loosely compare your man, Buddy Murphy, to Razor Ramon, and there's another comparison to them. Neither of them have won a heavyweight championship. So, yeah, nailed it. Yep, and Buddy Murphy's the cruiserweight champion on 205 Live, yep. And he's got Humberto, but Humberto moves out the arm ringer. Buddy Murphy now managing to flip up, turns the arm around, and now Murphy's still got the arm. Just teaching Carrillo at the moment how to work, but nice... Handspring out of it. Teaching Carrillo how to work. Carrillo gets pushed off low. Avoids the sweep. And now grabs the head of Murphy. Carrillo's got a little bit of power there. Keeping Murphy down. Now Murphy throws Humberto into the ropes. Big shoulder block. So Murphy in complete control. Looking down on... Humberto. Humberto. Just saying, no, I'm the one. Go for the kick, but Humberto nipping up from it, dodging it. Don't think has to offer. He's certainly got a speed over Large Murphy. And Murphy unable to hit anything. Well, now Murphy seems a bit concerned about Humberto Carrillo. I mean, I'm wondering if he's uh, took him lightly. I remember watching one of my first, earliest memories of Sunday Night Heat. It was in 2000. It's Triple H, WF champion, going against Takamichi Noku. And, and Michinoku took him to the limit. Triple H just took him lightly. We've seen it before. Brock Lesnar, Eddie Guerrero, and these great matches. And, but no, showing a bit of respect to Humberto. 
Goes for a snap there, but Carrillo lands on his feet. That was nice. One of the new talents that Drake Maverick is scouting. Springboards off the second rope. Big arm drag takedown and just drop kicks Murphy out of the ring. And now Carrillo might be looking to fly. And here he comes. Bapel slide, but Murphy dodges him. And picks him up, but Carrillo lands on the apron. Moonsault's off, but lands on his feet. Rolls towards Murphy. Murphy kicks him away, but again, Carrillo rolls. Oh, my goodness. And now that was on the steel ramp there, back of Carrillo's head. That was a Mick Foley bump. Murphy's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? It's just a fucking wrestling match, you twat. Why it's do you have to go and take real. it too far? <clears throat> and I'm going to overlook the fact... Buddy Murphy to <laughs> Brock Lesnar and Triple H. Look, Buddy Murphy is going to no, be a no. huge star, Dan. I'm sorry, but you're wrong about this. And when we do our like 500th episode, we'll look back and say, no, Buddy Murphy was a guy that James knew there was something special. I knew it a year ago. I knew it a couple of years ago. He's 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 great in ring. Now he's going against a guy, Carrillo, an unknown, and the fans are on the edge of the seat in excitement about this now. It's, it's incredible. Murphy is is I, I never <coughs> I never thought Murphy would, would do so well after winning the cruiserweight title as well. It's it's it's, it's fantastic to see it. They can build two hundred five live around him. I suppose yeah, you are right with the comparisons to Brock Lesnar. He makes an appearance once every few months. What are you talking about every three months? He's on every few weeks. He defends it every every month. You know, it's this it's not fair comparable. I mean, Murphy is just such a fighting champion. An open challenge issued to anybody who can make the weight limit. Anybody. And he's not backing down. He's in control at the moment. All he is in 205 Live is a slightly larger fish in a small pond. Oh, I disagree. I think Murphy's he's got huge upside. He's, he's great talent. You can't say... Well, you can say he's not a great talent, but I just think great in-room worker. He started shining through a little bit now as well. What personality? The person who wants to be the greatest cruise, cruise weight of all time. And he gets Harkin Rollins on the outside, does Murphy. I don't see how you can put him in the bracket of the greatest cruise weight of all time when that bracket includes Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho. Uh, just a few names. You're telling me Buddy Murphy versus, versus CN or Buddy Murphy versus Rey Mysterio... Wouldn't be great matches after we've seen what these two guys could do together. I hope Murphy... Only if fucking Cien or Rey Mysterio carries it. No, Murphy doesn't need... Mar- Murphy is the carrier. He, we've seen it in recent performance. How good he's been. Look, he's having a great match with Carrillo right now. Carrillo showed a little bit of experience, going for a suicide dive. Murphy dodges, throws him against Barricade, and now back in. This is all Murphy bringing it into the match. He's got to get confidence as well. He's only been around, you know, main roster three. And now Murphy just in complete control now, stomping away at Carrillo. Just slowly taking his champ. He knows he's got three men waiting for the Royal Rumble. But at this moment, he can send a message to the entire 205 roster. And any cruiserweight out there who thinks they're better than Buddy Murphy, step up to the champion, your cruiserweight champ. He looks to superplex Carrillo now off the second. He would lose to Eddie Guerrero tomorrow. Oh, my God. And Humberto there gets hit on the ring post by Murphy. Murphy showing his brilliant intelligence there. Sending Carrillo... Dig him up, Dan. Bring him to Murphy. See what Murphy does. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> <laughs> and a huge impact there. Murphy came running into Carrillo, who backdropped him. Murphy hit the apron, the hardest part of the ring. 
My name is my name, yes, my name's Humberto Carrillo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it goes perfectly. He should play his old music. Well, Murphy's getting counted. Up to six, but the Cruiserweight champion manages to get in. And he's caught with boot to the face now by Carrillo. Murphy misses the clothesline. And a flying crossbody there by Carrillo, trying to go for the cover. But Murphy easily manages to kick out. Or maybe he's a baby-faced assassin as he goes to get Murphy on the apron. Murphy blocks with a back elbow. Ducks a clothesline attempt, hits him with a lovely kick. And again, Murphy's staggering on the outside. But Carrillo's not going to wait for him to get back in the ring now. He wants to finish this right here. And imagine what a victory over the Cruiserweight champion would do. Diving crossbody. And Murphy just managing to kick out. Ah. Well, I don't think Buddy Murphy's in serious trouble at the moment. I think he's just playing possum. Hi, possum! And as I said, grabs a leg of Creo. Right on cue. Getting kicked a little bit now, though. Uh-oh, but grabs Creo's head. Well, looking for that super kick as his head was trapped by the turnbuckle. But Creo had that really well scouted. Manages to kick Murphy in the head. And now Carrillo off the top. Drop kick to the back of the head. One, two... Oh, come on, referee, get your head out of the arse. That was a slow count. No, it wasn't a slow count. Murphy got up at two. Two. Well, Grillo can't believe it, but he should take advantage of this right now. If he's got the Cruiserweight champion in trouble. Well, he doesn't have long with Murphy's selling technique, so, of course, he's going to have to capitalise on it as quickly You're as he so can. You're so wrong about that as well. Well, we shall see, shan't we? We uh, shall, Mur- shan't we? Murphy with a kick to the face. And a step up in security there by Carrillo, right on Murphy. And what's Carrillo got planned here? Looking for a superplex, but Murphy's trying to fight out of it. Carrillo off, he backflips and goes straight back to work on Murphy. Beautiful land on his feet, but Murphy still managed to block it. That's it, suplexing him down. Well, Murphy might have been in a little bit of trouble there, but he's fine. Now Sunset flip over. Powers him up. Set out powerbomb. One, the cover. two. Oh! But Hampton to kick out. Oh. Murphy looking to finish things now. Carrillo, valiant effort. But now it's time to put him away. He's got hold of the arm. And just kicking him in the face. Crowd are chanting, this is boring. Not at the match, just at Buddy Murphy. Because Murphy's been in such great control of this match. Like, at least they're chanting. Boring. If they were silent, there'd be a problem, but they're chanting, Dan. So it still means they care about it. There's Carrillo going for the suplex. Trying to reverse it. And Murphy and Carrillo fighting off this. Bit of a stalemate. Oh, no. Murphy there. Land on his feet, and I think he's hurt his leg. Yeah, wait for the referee to back him off and come out like he's playing possum. Oh, my God. And the Cruiserweight champion's Dan. This doesn't look good. Well, Carrillo's got to step back for a second. We are live. He just injured your knee, so you're going to stand up. There's another referee checking him now. Well, call the match then, ref. Carrillo wins because Murphy's unable to capitalise. Well, that's not really fair, is it, you know? Well, yeah. Well, he's a fighting champion. Murphy... Yeah, he's fighting, sat on his ass. Doesn't want to go down like this. It's the fucking first time that he's actually selling something well, James. (laughs) And you said he couldn't sell. Well done, Murphy. He couldn't sell. I said I'd prove you wrong. Here is the evidence. Thank you very much, sir. Buddy Murphy has sold now. See, look, even Carrillo's <laughs> clapping along with me. See, uh, look, good acting, yeah. 
He's still in bad shape, though. No, he's not. And Murphy now go for Murphy's Law. K-Man start. One, two, four. And Murphy now blocking the clothesline. Lovely combination. Stomp, knee. Another knee. No. Blocked by Carrillo. Catches him with a lovely spinning inseguri. Oh, my God. Humberto's going to go flying. Oh. Sends Murphy over the announce table. Murphy just gets better every week, doesn't he? I mean, what a fantastic move that was by him there. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no, right. Murphy's the ginger one. Humberto <laughs> is not. Well, okay. but, oh, yeah, Murphy's the cruiserweight champion. Humberto is not yet, <coughs> as he looks to springboard his way back. Yeah, Murphy with a knee to the face. Come on now. He can't even get his own fucking finishing move locked in properly. Murphy's Law. One, two, three. No one gets up after that. Buddy Murphy wins. He's sold in this one to prove damn wrong. He's your cruiserweight champion. But the only time he's ever sold a move is when he weren't actually fucking injured. He was, And you fell for it. Everybody fell for it. Yeah, that's how great Buddy Murphy is. I didn't fall for it. He is the most, I knew he weren't injured. He's the greatest performer in 205 Live and maybe the greatest cruiserweight of all time. And what a fantastic match that was. Building someone up like Humberto, first appearance. And just, you know, delivering everything that is right about 205 Live. What have you thought of 205 Live this month, though, Dan, after watching it? I thought it was all thoroughly enjoyable into this last match. <laughs> I thought Carrillo did exceptionally well. Um, you know, trying his best carry as well as he can. But, you know, there's only so far that carrying dead weight like that can take you. Well, we our next stop will be the Royal Rumble where Buddy Murphy will defend the Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa, Hideo Itami and, of course... Kalisto. Kalisto. And what a match that should be. And we'll bring you the last 25 Live on our live show for the Royal Rumble on Sunday as well, but looking back, I mean, we've had a couple of great matches uh, this month. I really enjoyed Kalisto versus Leo Rush, and it's interesting to build up towards each uh, pay per view. And of course, we now know what our cruiserweight title match will be. So, you know, at least 205 Live has a goal and a vision at the moment, and uh, it's still going strong now. But we do, after that, move on to news. News! And there's a storm coming. Well, Storm has been forced to delete both her Twitter and Instagram accounts after images and a video were shared across social media. The wrestlers come together to support the NXT UK ace, including a message from SmackDown General Manager Paige. Well, Paige, 26, was also the victim of hackers in 2017 and revealed how a sex tape leak left her suicidal. She wrote, we support Tony Storm for someone that has experienced the same thing. I strongly support you, girl. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard and people are going to be mean because they don't understand. But you're a strong, talented woman. You get through this. Your future is too bright to be dimmed. WWE has yet to comment on the situation. Situation. situation but Storm joins a host of entertainers who have suffered similar incidences. Dan has told me about Charlotte Flair, Zelina Vega, Jojo, Summer Rae and Ruby Wright with two Ts. And they're just some of the names that Dan has showed me that have been leaked online. Well, since then, Tony Storm has reactivated her Twitter account and she's back online. So hopefully she can look past the negativity of these bullies and, you know, just go forward as reigning, defending, undisputed UK women's champion. What are your thoughts on the whole Tony Storm thing? I think it is, you know, um, 
with something like this, if you get nudes leaked, I think you just got to own it. If you just say, yeah, it was... Yeah. You know, it's yeah. what, has the people never seen a pair of tits and a snatch before? Yeah, that's well, I suppose <laughs> most of the people that Because I think the main thing that got her to delete her Twitter account was she had posted a status and people had just comment on it with the pictures and the videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that is... And, and what I find weird is kind of double standards sometimes of, like, people that reported it here, like The Sun or, you know, The Daily Star. And the thing is, they had the article up and then the pictures with it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, wait a minute. Like... Yeah, sickos have leaked <laughs> this picture and yeah. this video. And yeah, it was like, what? Are you all right? Well, next story. Mamma mia! Popular NXT commentator. Go on, say it. I dare you. You say it. Popular NXT commentator and all-round good guy, Mora Romanalo, recently took to his Twitter account in order to vent his personal frustrations with his own performances at last night NXT TV tapings. Ronaldo, who was unfortunately recently involved in a car accident December 23rd, wrote the following. Like me or loathe me, Dan, I pride myself on performing my job at the highest level possible. Tonight, I failed. I know it will come across as an excuse to some, but the car accident and other personal issues affected me more than I thought. I will apologise to NXT. I will be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, following the initial car accident, the NXT commentator broke the news himself via his Instagram account. An angel was looking over me last night, lost control and smashed into me at full speed. Happy to report that no one was seriously injured. I'm still in shock. Guess my work here isn't done yet. Hashtag Christmas miracle. Well, Mauro Ranallo is an outspoken advocate for mental health, often taking talk, taking to social media in order to share his own experiences with others. Given the responses he tends to receive, his frank openness has seemingly helped others worldwide. Well, James wishes Mauro the best as he continues to recover from the horrible accident from December the 23rd and look forward to him continuing his journey as one of the best commentators in not only WWE but the world I see you in some that. people's opinion well the man however we're going to talk about the man however the man gimmick hasn't uh, sat well with everyone as wrestling legend Animal claimed that the gimmick she should that, that that's the gimmick that should now be dropped yes um, a gimmick that's kind of Smashed social media, elevated Becky to a higher plateau on pretty much anyone else on the WWE roster. And the entire women's division as and well. And the like entire women's, women's division should be dropped. Yeah. Well, his comments turned into headline news in Wrestling World and the Irish last kicker responded by taking aim at Animal with a tweet, which prompted an even more scathing response from the Road Warrior. Well, despite stating that he was mostly complimentary, his comments suggested otherwise. When Becky Lynch can achieve what I've achieved in the sport of pro wrestling, then she can call me out. Other than that, she has not earned her stripes to call me out. I just want to make that perfectly clear. I don't think that anybody in the wrestling world would have any objection to that. To expand on that even more, Animal decided to list his own achievements and compare them to Lynch to further undermine her. He added, if Becky Lynch is going to try and even have a comeback against a multi-time Hall of Famer and what I've done in this business... She's won one belt in her life, and that's the WWE belt. Hawk and I won 22 different championships in 22 different companies. Come on, I've wrestled people all over this world, not just in WWE. I'm not putting down Becky, but when you get that kind of stroke that I've had in this business, when you've laid the kind of foundation that I have for her to even have a job today, then you can call someone out. I'm not trying to be derogatory right now, I'm just trying to be blunt honest. 
Well, with the support Becky has had recently, Animal's comments won't sit well with everyone, including ourselves, because we talked about kayfabe earlier, and we talked about Becky Lynch, and Animal surely still <laughs> believes in, in kayfabe being strong, damn it. I mean, tag team wrestling, yes. I mean, Animal, yes. But this is a new generation. You know, Becky Lynch <coughs> is who the man is. Dan, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are... He's saying, I'm not putting down Becky, but when you've had the kind of strike in this business and you've laid the foundation that I have for her to even have a job today. I mean, if it was Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, Randy Orton, or any other high-ranking wrestler in the world, yeah. then yeah, fair play, they might have had a bit of clout. But Animal, uh, a biz- you know, WWE would have still been exactly the same without... The LOD. Well, no, I'm, the, I'm not trying to put no, down the LOD. But, no, the LOD were popular. I think what well, I'm trying to say more than pissing off all the LOD fans is kind of like if you look at it with Animal, got headlines now because he's gone after Becky Lynch. And if it wasn't for him attacking, if it wasn't for Becky Lynch, then he wouldn't be in the story. He wouldn't be in headlines. How long have we heard uh, what Animal's been doing recently? And he's doing it off the back of Becky Lynch. So it just shows how big a star Becky Lynch is, which kind of negates his point anyway, being in the headlines. So, but anyway, that's the man. We talk about the woman. And Dan, you showed me this story actually as well. It's weird, Dan. You may, go on, you take it away. A, May, a WWE May Young Classic competitor who pulled out her tampon and shoved it down an opponent's throat has hit back at critics who labelled her disgusting yeah that's right priscilla kelly said people were only shocked by the stunt from december suburban fight because it involved a vagina while in wrestling a penis is funny and awesome well can i just say right if a bloke shoved something up his ass and put it into another bloke's mouth that'd be disgusting if a bloke took some of his bodily fluids and put that down another man's throat that would be awesome uh, that would be disgusting <laughs> yeah. but you know it's She's taken something from her vagina, yeah. covered in blood, and put it down someone's throat. I know it's, I know it's a play, and it's not. But they've obviously talked about it. You know, they've obviously played it. I mean, what? Right, Kelly, who lost to Johnny Pratt in the first round of the May Young Classic last year, tweeted, "Hey guys, you know it's all fake. Twenty one plus show with a bar. Can't take life so serious all the time." Well, she added, "A penis is funny, funny and awesome." A vagina is disgusting and trashy. Equality? Well, Priscilla Kelly's controversial move quickly went viral as thousands were left repulsed. Well, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross was one of the leading the charge, labelling it embarrassing. Well, former WWE superstar Gal Kim wrote on Twitter, I'm seeing this post in a women's match that got disgusting. I'm not going to repost it, but it's seriously a disgrace. And why... Whoever thought it was a spot that was going to get a pop and was worth it, no. How about telling a story in the ring with your wrestling instead? And DX legend Road Dog Jesse James commented, This stuff is the reason some people despise our industry. It's got nothing to do with taking life seriously. It's about dignity and a personal pride. She obviously has none. Well, Kelly shot to fame initially after appearing on reality TV show My Fat. My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding and she used to go under the nickname of Gypsy Princess or Gypsy Queen. But my point is to you, Dan, and to everybody else. Yes, I understand a tampon and for us it's like, oh, fucking hell, they're talking about that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, right, whatever. 
But with Road Dog saying it's it's personal pride, obviously she has none. Okay, so you've got the fat oily guy that they dressed up to to run around with his kind of cut hanging out, embarrassing people. Kiss my ass club you had. May Young given birth to a fucking hand that he did. The JR surgery where they called Austin's head out of it. Trish treated like a dog. And, you know, numerous other ones like the chocolate pudding match or the fucking bikini battle royals or whatever else it is. And they say this is the great because she's tried to do something else. For me, I, I think it's the same... Well, Joey Ryan is like, yeah, some people don't like that stuff, but it's what he does. If she wants to try that, it's made people talk about it, it's become more relevant. Okay. I, I, when you first saw the video, what did you think, honestly, when you first saw it? Because I laughed at it first and foremost. I, I laughed at it, but I think that goes down to our kind of humour and what <laughs> we find funny. But, you know, off the back of this, Priscilla Kelly's um, Twitter followers have increased exponentially. She has gained a load more Twitter followers. You know, everyone is talking about that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not having Road Dog who, who said, you know, turned into the Vincent K Mafia when he was in TNA looking to kill Vincent Mann to say that she's, you know, disrespectful and disgraced. She's trying to make a name for herself in this world and if that's going to do it, you know what I mean? I, I, I thought it was an okay... I think if, it was, if ECW was around, the original ECW was around that, Today, that's the kind of shit they would be doing. Do you know what I mean? So I, 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 I haven't really got a problem with it. To be fair, I really haven't got a problem with it. I really like the story, though. I really did like that story. Well, giving tuna box the tuna box. <laughs> yeah, that's what I liked about it. It's funny. Anyway, some people don't like it, but there you go. Each to their own, as it is. Punk. What is he signing with AEW? Is no. he signing with WWE again? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. We just got a little bit of an update on CM Punk right now. Well, CM Punk's attorney filed a motion December 28th calling for the dismissal of a lawsuit filed against Punk by Colt Cabana. According to Mike Johnson, the PWI insider, Cabana filed the amended lawsuit in November after his vicious suit was dismissed, which he spoke about. Cabana's lawsuit stems from a podcast he and Punk did together in November 2014 after Punk left WWE. Well, Cabana re- received a demand letter from WWE Dr. Chris Aman in which a man alleged that Punk made false statements regarding medical treatment he received while in WWE. Aman filed a civil suit against Punk and Cabana in t- February 2015. But June 2018's trial saw the court rule in favour of Punk and Cabana. Following its conclusion, Cabana filed a lawsuit alleging that Punk misled him over the payment of legal fees for the Aman court case. Cabana allegedly received a text from Punk saying he would be 100% covered in the event of Aman filing suit against him. In November, Cabana filed an amended lawsuit after his initial one was dismissed. Punk's attorney sent both Punk and Cabana against Aman initially with Punk paying the fees, but Cabana was later dropped as a client, which led to him incurring $200,000 in legal fees. Punk and his legal team... Punk and his legal team asserted that he spent over $1 million defending himself and Cabana against a man and that Cabana refused to contribute money. Attorneys representing Punk have argued Cabana's new lawsuit hasn't done enough to differentiate from the first or to show why Punk should be responsible for his legal fees. Cabana and his lawyers have until 25th of January to respond to the motion and Punk's team would then have until February 19th to address the response. So, I mean, it's just getting mucky now between Punk and Cabana. They're just throwing stuff at you. used to be friends, and that's turned out this. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's horrible, really. Well, how much is Cabana actually spending to try and recuperate any of this $200,000 yeah. face? Exactly. And, and, you know, if CM Punk had spent that amount of money, yes, he made a lot of money in WWE, but, I mean, surely 
Don't call me Shirley. If an offer comes down the road, then I, I think he's going to have to listen to it at some point. Anyway, move on. Kurt Angle's niece has been rescued by cops after a standoff for her armed ex-boyfriend who abducted her. Well, Majani Aquil... <laughs> Majani Aquil, 16, has been taken to hospital after she was saved by officers following the election in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It followed a Facebook plea from her WWE legend uncle, sparking a frantic police search to find missing April. Angle, 50, said, Hello, everyone. My beautiful 16-year-old niece... Regina Aquil got abducted today by a 19-year-old guy. Please call the police if you have seen this girl. She was reported at last seen at 3pm on Wednesday in Penn Hills, a suburb of western Pittsburgh, being forced into a red sedan. According to local reports, police say witnesses saw the suspect lift his shirt to show a pistol attached to his waistband. He also allegedly made threats for someone to come to her house and shoot. Majani has reported that <coughs> Majani has reportedly been communicating with her mother for a phone that is not hers. Rogers was also arrested last March for holding Aquel against her will in the apartment for four days. Is out of prison on probation for that initial offence. So sounds like a nice guy. Uh, so Ty Dennage is reportedly set to return to action soon, and Kevin Owens may not be back until after WrestleMania 35. Two quick bits of news there. Oh, she knows. She knows who did it. Well, WWE's Nikki Cross and Killian Dane get married. Congratulations to the happy sanity couple. Killian Dane posted on Twitter, only took us ten and a half years, but when it's right, it's right. I love you, Nikki Cross. And she put first photo, most recent, 2008 from 2019. Now, Nikki Cross looks very similar. I can't say the same for Killian Dane, really. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, I think... Killian Dane was the man that ate Nikki Cross's current boyfriend. <laughs> well, yeah, there is a heartwarming story. Together for over a decade, they both rose to indie wrestling prominence while working for Scotland's insane championship wrestling. Cross was first joined WWE arriving as part of the April 2016 development class, but Dane was only six months behind her, and this trend continued when Nikki was unveiled as one of Sanity members with the big man replacing Sawyer Fulton soon after. Dane and the rest of Sanity left Cross in NXT when they were called up to SmackDown in June 2018. They since struggled for TV time, while Nikki would eventually play a prominent role in the Alistair Black, Johnny Gagano, Whodunit saga. She recently concluded her developmental business by putting Bianca Belair over in Full Sail University. And while it remains to be seen which main roster brand she'll settle on, her husband, being on SmackDown Tuesday nights, uh, makes Tuesday nights a logical home. Mm. And uh, congratulations to the happy couple. So we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll bring in the second part on Wednesday. But before we go, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, at WWE Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore... What am I again? I'm at J underscore Rollins. Across all the Google platforms, WWE Review on Google+, send us an email to open our podcast at gmail.com we're on Facebook yes Facebook come and oh, fuck it. <laughs> I know yeah we've forgotten uh, Facebook come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast or you can come and find me and add me as a friend I am Vince McDan subscribe to our YouTube channel WWE Network Review podcast we clips on there podcasts got the same time on YouTube to do other places like SoundCloud on your phone and listen to us live on Spreaker Radio on Stitcher Radio we and iTunes we can down and subscribe Rate and review there. Don't forget, next weekend, we've got a huge weekend. We start Friday live at 8pm. It's the WNR 200. It's going to be awesome, Dan. It's going to be the greatest podcast of all time. 
All your money back. All your money back, indeed. And then on Saturday, we've got NXT TakeOver live pre-show for Phoenix. And we'll be live there at PM. And we'll bring you all the action rundown through the card, games and everything like this. And then Sunday live at 10pm for the WWE Raw Rumble kickoff. Where again, we've got games and run through the card. Bring you to episode 205 live. So that'll be fantastic. But we'll be back on Wednesday for part two. Two. But I have been James Rodens. And as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye.